0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz are in Toronto tonight and Indiana tomorrow. And by that, I mean part of the Jazz are going to be in Toronto tonight, and then they'll be back together again tomorrow in Indiana. Rudy Gobert into COVID protocol. Joe Engel's already in COVID protocol. Now a whole list of guys with a whole list of injuries, and basically it looks like The varsity team will stay in the United States of America, and the JV will head to Canada. And I think that the risk here is, what happens if you test positive for COVID in Canada? Can you get back into the country? So it doesn't look like there are going to be a whole lot of familiar names going to the Jazz game in Toronto tonight. I guess we'll find out later today. Certainly we'll know tonight. You can listen to the game here on the Zone Sports Network, but I think the odds are pretty good. This is the most important part here. The odds are pretty good that Jazz 10 game road win streak is going to come to a close tonight against the Raptors because they're just not going to have their guys. So, more of that coming up later this morning. Now, as we all know, the Jazz are owned by Ryan Smith, and now so is Ralph Salt Lake. Now, he's the minority owner. Uh, The uh, Commissioner Don Garber uh, made it clear that he would like uh, local ownership, and the local ownership combined with the Stadium and the facility in Harriman makes it pretty clear that uh, the academy in Harriman makes it pretty clear RSL isn't going anywhere. That's uh, any one of those reasons might keep a team. All three of them together, yeah, that'll keep a team locked down. Uh, Ryan is the minority owner. The majority owner is the Philadelphia 76ers and New, Jer- New Jersey Devils part owner. And uh, also, uh, David Blitzer owns. Uh, A share in about a half dozen owns portions of a half dozen European soccer teams. The biggest is Crystal Palace in the English Premier League, but he's also got a team in the Bundesliga, a team in Belgium on down the line. So he's got quite a bit of experience in owning sports. He's 52 years old. He's from New Jersey, uh, but he says he's been coming to Utah since he was seven. 45 years of skiing. Annual ski trips to Utah. So he is familiar with the area and through NBA circles, he and Ryan uh, know each other. So we listen to a little bit of the press conference. It was a half hour long, but we'll listen to a little bit of it right now as RSL gets a new owner right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
1: Now that you guys have taken the reins, what happens in the next few months? What are you looking to improve on immediately? What are your sort of uh, uh, goals
2: for 2022 as, as the team heads into preseason?
3: Well, it's interesting because as you all know, preseason is, is starting like really quickly. I mean, given, you know, the dynamics of the World Cup being in, in uh, you know, November this year, um, everything just moved up, you know, quite dramatically. Um, so, look, again, this is a this is a long term play for for Ryan and myself. It's not a, you know, plan. So I think, you know, we want we have a terrific group of individuals that we're working with, um, you know, at the franchise that we're continuing to spend more and more time with we're we're going to continue to learn. I always say, you know, I invest in, you know, a significant number of companies and a significant number of sports teams. Don't, don't try to figure it out in a day. Don't try to figure it out in a hundred days, um, learn and, and don't just knee jerk react. And so, yeah, again, we're, we're doing things and, and working with the management team, um, to gear up for this season, obviously on the pitch, which I guess opening game is, you know, February 27th, I think. And I certainly know our home opener is, is March the 5th and, and we're going to be ready, but exactly what we're going to do. I, I, I think it's, you know, kind of sort of premature. I mean, there's some things we certainly know, um, but, but we're going to, you know, we're going to learn and we're going to take our time and we're going to continue to to grow and invest in this team and in, in, in the right way.
4: And, and kind of a follow-up there,
1: uh, David, you had mentioned to the Salt Lake Tribune that it's more of a question of when, not if the Utah Royals will be, will be brought back. I'm just wondering, could you speak to what what that discussion has looked like for you and Ryan and kind of how firm those plans
3: are to
4: bring back the Royals?
3: Yeah. Well, Ryan and I talked about it in, in our early conversations, just about, you know, this community and Utah and the passionate fan base and how incredibly um, well the Royals did in, you know, in Utah when they were here and we're huge believers um, in, uh, women's soccer and in the NWSL. And again, obviously from the standpoint of, of this market and, and, and the fan base. So from our perspective, we both agreed very, very clearly, um, on day one that we want to make that happen now, you know, without getting into too much detail, there are just like anything, you know, there are dynamics that need to occur, um, and timing, but I think we, we both said it last night, which was, this is a when, not if we're very excited, to bring the Royals back to Utah and to, um,
5: you know, to this club.
3: Alex Mower, your line should now be open.
5: Hello. And
2: thank you guys. Obviously all for your time. Uh, my question is probably more for Don, but maybe Ryan and David, you could shed some insight. Um, Don, I was just curious throughout this process,
6: which, you know, was pretty lengthy. You maintained publicly that the team, or I guess that you would never consider moving the team, outside of Salt Lake. But now that the deal's done, um, is there any or was there ever any indication that maybe a deal wouldn't get done locally and the team would have to be
2: relocated?
7: No, you know, we were committed from the very beginning that uh, this team and all the assets around it would stay in Salt Lake. And, you know, a year's period of time is, is relatively short when you start thinking about what you need to do to ensure you have the right ownership group with the right dynamic together, both locally and, and in this case, in particular, a great partnership, you know, this is a dream ownership group and it took a while to put it together, not just because of who the two guys are, but think about the uniqueness of there probably isn't another market in professional sports that only has two uh, pro teams. And now those two pro uh, teams are connected. Uh, so we, uh, uh, the day that we knew we were taking over the sales process, we spoke to Ryan. And as as he said, uh, a couple weeks later, he bought an NBA team and took us 10 years to convince David to uh, find the right opportunity. And this was the perfect one. So uh, we had been very hopeful we'd get it done in a year and we were able to do that. Yeah,
2: this question is probably for Ryan, but obviously, Ryan, as Commissioner Garber just mentioned, you bought the Utah Jazz. Now these two clubs will be connected. How much sharing will there be on the back end between these two clubs in terms of infrastructure, all that type of stuff?
8: Yeah, I mean, we we created a new entity. So I think the first and foremost, this is a a separate entity entirely. um, And and we're actually excited about that. Um, But, um, you know, the the synergistic um, opportunities are are many many absolutely and and hopefully you'll see that and um, th- the most important thing here is that the vision is lined up and i'll, I'll just tell you um, you know David's vision and my vision for not only the state of Utah but for soccer mls and the platform are 100% aligned and then we just kind of take everything else as as it comes and i think that's the most important thing is um, that's when we both really started getting excited, whether that's with the Royals, whether it's with the investment, the team, um, once that vision is locked in, um, and, and I'll tell you it's around Utah, it's around building and, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we have a lot of, we have a lot of soccer fans who, who, who play on our team. We have, we've always had a bunch of European players as well as, um, American players who are passionate about it. And, um, there's a lot of synergies, especially between arenas and fan base. And there's also opportunity to, to pick up new fan base on both sides. And that's, that's what, you know, anyone sitting out there can say, Hey, wow, this is a unique market with a unique team, a unique opportunity with two sports teams. Um, and they're both connected, um, for one of the first times ever, that's, that's pretty powerful.
2: And this, I guess a question for David, but David, at the outset, when you started looking into this club, did you always anticipate having an owner like Ryan, who had a local connection here, to help be an anchor?
3: One one hundred percent. So again, you know, having taken the, the the view that I was really excited to invest in the MLS, it was about the right market and the right partner, and I got hugely lucky here because the reality is, is you know, Real Salt Lake again came up looking for new ownership, call it, you know, about a year ago. Um, I had been very interested to, to invest in the league. I love this market. This market's incredible. Um, And, but no, if, if I hadn't found the right partner uh, in Ryan Smith, I might still be looking, you know, for what, you know, makes sense. It had to all come together.
0: I think that's on both sides. All right, there's RSL's new ownership team, David Blitzer, Ryan Smith, the Jazz owner buying a minority share in Real Salt Lake. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with the TV voice of Real Salt Lake, Craig Bullerjack, coming up next. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Craig Bullerjack joined us yesterday to talk about the Jazz, some of the big picture stuff, um... He will, have, as always, reference uh, last night. And, of course, that means the win in Denver. Uh, and he didn't know at this point. He had an idea. But he didn't know how many guys weren't going to Toronto. He did have an idea, I'm pretty sure. Here's Bowler with Peak and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I
9: thought it was a great game last night, you know, without Gobert, Hassan Whiteside, Joe Ingles, uh, team defense, depth, bogey, Rudy Gay. Played, a, played really, I thought um, – a game that maybe Jazz fans wanted to see because Gobert is such a centerpiece of what the Jazz do, and there's always a lot of concern whether or not you know Utah plays a high level of defense. But I thought they manned up pretty well against the, uh, the Nuggets last night. Look, Jokic is a really amazing player. He really, really is. He nearly had another triple double, but um, I thought the Jazz played man defense uh really well and they seem to be on page despite the fact that Eric Pascal flew in just hours before the game and they had to make some changes knowing the white side wasn't gonna play after he went through shoot around. So um you know salute Quinn and his staff for adjusting and uh, making it happen last night.
0: Uh just for the record, Jokic did go for the triple double. He did get to the eleven yeah, yeah, assists. 26, 21 and eleven. A massive game. Got I'm curious I'm curious with the Jazz. There were a few things that happened there Uh, One, Bogey went off, 36 points, but only one three-pointer made. He was one of six. Uh, He and Royce O'Neal, Bogey had 13 boards and Royce had 11. Clearly the message from the coaching staff, hey, Rudy's out. We've got to have guys hit the glass. Those two did. And then Clarkson, not just the 18 points, because we've seen him shoot it well. And he was four of seven from three. We've seen that before. But the 18 points, the seven rebounds, a steal, a couple of blocks. He seemed to be everywhere. And so I'm curious, which, which of these things do you find most expected? Which, which of the things did you find most surprising?
9: I think probably Bogdanovich was able to take the game over uh, despite the fact that Donovan Mitchell struggled. I mean, he was one of nine, right, from downtown. Still, you know, he delivered 17 points. Uh, but I still thought the game flow went to Bogdanovich's uh, advantage. And he wanted the ball. And the, and the Jazz knew he was really the centerpiece of the offense last night. And then on the opposite side, when they weren't really, you know, forced to go small, look, Azabuki did, uh, you know, did a job, asked, he went in made his first career start and did what he could under the circumstances. But they still had to play a lot of, you know, small ball with Rudy, with Rudy Gay, you know, handling some of the the four and the five spots. But, you know, he seems so calm and confident out there. I, um, I still think he's going to be and is becoming a major part of, of what the Jazz will do as the season progresses, but he looks comfortable. It takes time to understand the Quinn Snyder system on the offensive side, but look, he gets seven rebounds from a 16-year vet, 18 points, and, and a very uh, proficient night. Six of nine shooting, but six of those shots were four makes from three. Uh, he looked comfortable. I thought he looked dominant uh, out there, and he looked, uh, you know, like he's going to be a big piece of what the Jazz need to do
4: trade deadline is just over a month away. I believe they will make a move. I think Joe Ingles is most likely. I'll be sad, but the, I, I, I don't know that it's going to happen. This is just kind of a gut guess. I'm hoping it doesn't, but nevertheless, I think it might. Um, what do you think?
9: Well, you know, Danny Ainge, who's come in, it's hard to say, uh, CEO of Jazz Basketball, and Ryan hired him obviously for a reason to fine tune if needed, you know, pieces of the jazz uh, and also to save luxury tax money. PK, it's a, it's a great point. You know, I know, you know, talking to DJ a little bit privately, you know, and the conversations you guys have had with Joe, you know, there's, you know, he's been open about it, which, which is really amazing for a player to be at that point in his career where Maybe he sees the you know the writing on the wall. He knows more than we do on the in, you know the inside of it all. But you know, Joe Joe's a fan favorite. It's gonna it will always be difficult to see players come and go. It is some are more difficult than others. Joe still has an incredible impact on this team in the locker room, uh, the grit and grime of who he is and the way he likes to play it with that tough guy attitude on the floor. But again, you know, I think it comes down to you know. Can can you actually – they have to be careful, in my opinion, because it's such a good chemistry. Uh, Who do you actually trade for, and how how much does it impact this team, make it better, and does the chemistry stay the same? Those are always dangerous moves for anyone, uh, no matter what sport it may be. But, gosh, I'd say it will be tough. Uh, There's only a handful of guys who come in and just make that impact with fans. And even the media, PK, you just said it. I mean, you know, you're kind of a hard nosed guy, right? But yet, oh, yeah. you guys know him well. He's spent how many years now doing the show with you guys and being open about his life and his kids and Renee. And you know, those are difficult things to see a a player come and go. Um, but you know, it, again, those are outside our our pay grade and. Um, you know, it is it is a win-now mentality, of course, with Donovan and Rudy about a championship and what you have to do uh, to get past the likes of Golden State and the Phoenix Suns. And, um, you know, we'll hold our breath and see what happens, find out together. But, yeah, it's a clip, the, the clock is ticking on that decision.
0: Craig Bolajek, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um I am curious, do you have any idea how long Whiteside is out for? It's been a concussion. We saw it happen. It wasn't great when it happened. It's been a while now. Is this more serious than we knew? Is he going to be out a while longer?
9: You know, Quinn said last night um, that he actually went through shoot-around. And then all of a sudden, uh, and that's the real test, when you start to get the heartbeat uh, going and you break a sweat, how do you feel? I think some of those concussion symptoms crept back in, and that's the reason why he he did not play, Uh, meaning that I think, obviously, he's made some progress, but not all the way back. It'll be interesting, right, on a back-to-back weekend and the travel to Toronto and then back into the States to play Indiana, whether or not he can make a a quick recovery or not. But you may see the Jazz in the same situation as you were last night with Azabuki, who miraculously comes back from this ankle injury that looked almost, you know, season-ending. Honestly, uh, after you looked at some of the, the video replays of it, but you know, to his credit, he's worked hard to come back. But I think what you saw last night may be uh, something the Jazz have to, to deal with throughout this road trip. But you know, hoping that Hassan makes recovery and comes back, but they're going to be ultra, you know, like the Jazz and, and any team in concussion protocol. You got to make sure he's good and, and healthy and ready to go.
4: As I look at this team, I'm more focused on them than the opponent each night because I think if they play well, you know they got an excellent shot to win. And if they don't, you know probably they don't. And we saw that with the Warriors against the Mavericks. The Warriors right. didn't make shots; they lost. You know it's going to happen. But the thing that got me most excited about Denver is that they needed guys to step up, whether it be rebounding or scoring, and those are you know two obviously significant areas. And they did and go be, or uh, get Gay was able to step up his game a little bit. So we were talking earlier this morning about how you view the Jazz in the immediacy, who they're playing, how they're playing, do they win. But then you also, so you got one eye on that, but you also have an eye on the postseason. You know, what's going to happen when we get there? We know it's coming, we're excited for it for when it gets here, and we know ultimately that's how the team is going to be judged. And right. so when I watch this game, the thing that got me most excited is that they have guys capable of stepping up, they have more guys capable of stepping up than they had last year. So that gives me a higher level of excitement for the postseason.
9: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally on board with that. That PK, um, you know, they went out and made big decisions on on Rudy, Rudy Gay, and then Hassan Whiteside. I would say, and he's even admitted that he had, you know, a, a non-typical Hassan Whiteside year in Sacramento. Uh, this is kind of, you know, don't overplay it, but as he's, you know, it's a rebirth. I mean, I think he's found again the right system and a mentor um, that he likes the competition, I should say, uh, working against uh, Rudy. Uh, and they've become really a, a, one of the strongest, if not the best too big tandem in the NBA. But to your point, I like the depth. I thought last night proved a lot of doubters wrong. I know, that Jamal Murray wasn't on the floor, and they've had their issues as well. But, look, this league is not going to change much, right, over the next month. uh, You may get a healthy – you may get health, full team strength sometime after the All-Star break. And then you start to really play. But who really is going to be involved in postseason play? and Who's resting players? Zion down in New Orleans, I think, probably. why, Why risk it again? Uh, with the foot. So, I mean, you're going to run into teams that won't be at full strength, but those that are fighting for playoff position or if they're really interested in the three, the four, the five, the six seed, whatever it may be, you may may come up against full-strength teams. But I think the Jazz proved a lot to themselves, PK, last night, something they may have needed in a big way, that with Rudy off the floor and Hassan, the continued experimentation of small ball and the fact that they are getting better at it Understanding what has to be done uh, on the defensive end and taking into account themselves to play D and not just think that Rudy's there and even Quinn said it. You know he's not there to clean up your mistakes or to protect you. You know he's there to channel in and let you know and 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 help. But you still have responsibility as a player to play defense. And I thought last night may have been a turning point with that with that that comment that Quinn made. And I think it's spot on.
0: Ten straight road wins for the Jazz, and they've got three more on this road trip. Uh, it seems ridiculous to say five and zero, but Denver was the only team with a winning record when the trip right. started. So, right. should Jazz fans be thinking five and zero?
9: Well, Toronto, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of one of those un- unpredictables. But uh, they've they've been winning of late, and Indiana has, uh, you know, is a team. That you you know you just can't predict. It's a back to back too, right? And yeah. you don't know how fatigued this team is going to be, or after one player is has entered into health and safety protocol, is there others to follow? That to me is going to well, be the biggest it's issue. It's a
4: rare back to back in two countries. How many times yeah. do you have that?
9: <laughs> yeah, yeah, two countries. PK, <laughs> you know, get across the border and can you get back in? I mean that's 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 probably a concern that no one has to go to health and safety protocol during that trip, right? To go across and come back in. Uh, and then of course, you always think Detroit's the record wise, the worst team in the NBA, but that's the final game of a five game week long road trip. And it's on, you know, that, those are so unpredictable because you want to get home, but this month is a test. March is a big test with the, with multiple road games and long road trips, mind you. And, uh, but I think the way the Jazz are playing it, if they try to take it, I know it's it's that old adage of one one game at a time, but I think this time of year, with what's going on with COVID and injuries, I think you do have to just say, Hey, who's available? Raise your hand and then just map out your game plan and go play. And I think that's what Quinn and, and the staff did a, a very good job of last night.
4: Well they need to win against Toronto. Because I've been saying for weeks now, since literally the beginning of the season, that they will have a stretch in which they go seventeen and three, and I'm freaking one game away from it. So they got to make me look good.
9: You know what, PK? You said it. Shall it be done? So <laughs>
4: it's <laughs> got to be. Yes. And uh, then P.K. I can 40. brag about it the rest of the season.
9: Yeah. You said, look, man, I told you so.
4: Yeah. All right.
9: right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fourteen and three on the road. I mean. Those are Stockton Malone type of, of uh, numbers being built right now. Those are the mid-90s type of performances that we're seeing in the league. <clears throat> Pretty impressive. Uh, it really is. Don't, don't People can't underplay that because, you know, everyone knows, and you guys have traveled, I've traveled, and, and the road, you know, it sounds like, oh, wow, you guys are, you know, in L.A., uh, you got to keep the focus, and you have to put things out of your mind. And I, I think this team just is, is uber-focused away from maybe home responsibilities and some of the pressure, too, that with Jazz Nation, it's about a championship. It's, it's about you know making that next step and the win-now mentality, but I think there's a sense of more, I think Donovan said it, that they understand themselves and there's a bond that continues to grow on the road. Sounds a little, you know, sophomoric, you know, when it comes to making statements like that, but in reality, that's who they are. And hey, if you're galvanized on the road, so be it. And what they call, you know, hey, look, what they've gone through the last two and a half years You know, it's worthy of a movie and a book for the entire NBA. But the Jazz seem to have embraced the fact that they're in this together. And they do have a goal. And I'm sure all teams do. But there's just something different about the Utah Jazz and what they want to accomplish before this team would be, TK, as you mentioned, changed, changed up. Or do they stay with what they have and add a piece uh, if you move younger players or draft picks to achieve, you know, the body or the, the player that you need to, to make it happen. But they they do have a common goal, and it's um, I do respect that because it's real.
4: Where does he get the ring first, Ryan Smith, RSL or the Jazz?
7: <laughs>
9: <laughs> you know, RSL fans would say that's their turn. I think the Jazz, look, this, this city, won't you agree, man, I'd say we'll drive – I know you'll be driving a truck PK DJ you'll do a, you guys will do the show somewhere on the road we'll take it from here to, to Heber to St George and back
4: we sound like that guy that that guy in the guitar I'm on the mountain in snow Canyon you know a big old tires. yeah
9: Kach, I've been everywhere man I <laughs> yeah. seen that one too
4: you've been all over the
0: map you had that a little earlier you got a little uh, ten Commandments uh <laughs> yeah PK with a right. 17 and three and you let, let it be said let it be written let it be so
9: That'll be done. Yes. Well, TK has that thing about it. You know, there's a little glow yeah. around
4: TK. Well, we got to have some kind of religion if you're going to live here.
9: <laughs> That's very true. <laughs>
0: All right, Bowler, we appreciate a few minutes. Sorry, I didn't know you were on TV, and I was locked down on the national broadcast. I said, seriously, I got bored with them.
9: What <laughs> man? CJ, promise me, look at the schedule, and right by ESPN is AT&T Sports. I
0: don't know why I got fooled, because I know that the ESPN deal is different than the TNT deal. Yeah,
9: yeah. But I got fooled you know. anyway. Somebody said, oh, it's on ESPN. I'm no, like, no, okay, well, the common, got the the common, like, oh, really? You guys were on last night? Yeah. The only games that, uh, that oh, again, the league or the, the contract stipulates is uh, exclusivity. With TNT and ABC, and uh, luckily, though, during the playoffs we can do side by sides in the first round. Luckily, that gives the local affiliates a chance. So I'm looking forward to the postseason too. But we got a long way to go.
0: Thanks, Bowler. We appreciate
9: it. All right, guys. See you soon.
0: All right, there's Craig Bowler, Jack TV voice of the Jazz and the Jazz in Toronto. Tonight, well, at least some of the Jazz will be, but it looks like most of the starting lineup will not be in the game. We'll see how that shakes out later today, but that looks like where this is headed. All right, uh, when we come back, time to talk a little golf. The PGA Tour is heating up. It's the Western Swing. Starts in Maui, goes to Oahu, comes to California. Uh, does have a, they do make a move to Phoenix. They, they'll have that uh, Super Bowl weekend. Uh, we will talk golf with Brian Taylor. Real Golf Radio next. Stay with us. DJPK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Brian Taylor. Real Golf Radio Golf is back in the news. Sweet. The weather is good somewhere. Maui, as it turns out. Brian, good morning. J.J. Barea is
6: the Britain Covey of the NBA. That is the line <laughs> of the day right there. Hey,
0: you like that.
6: <laughs> I, I almost drove off the road. I was laughing so hard. That was great. Well done, sir. Thank you.
0: Am I a complete and total uh homer living on the west side of the country? Salt Lake is as far east as I've ever lived. Uh everywhere else I lived is in California. Am I a total homer for thinking that from now through the LA open is the best stretch of the PGA tour? That's just me Not, being a homer, isn't it?
6: I no, I, I love it. I love it. And I don't I don't think the West Coast gets the respect that it deserves to be honest. But, you know. Back in the back in the day, you know, with the Ernie Elses and and uh, you know the, a lot of the international big stars, they wouldn't come play over here on the West Coast because it was so far to come, right? And um, from South Africa or otherwise, and and so they would just show up in Florida. So a lot of times you wouldn't see uh, some some of these top players. And, but you know, the the West Coast has got some great events. To me, the PGA Tour, I love the nostalgia and the tie-ins of. Of, of uh, players and, and, and bygones, right? So you think about the West Coast and they all had names, right? You had the Andy Williams and, of course, the Bob Hope and the Bing Crosby. Yeah. I mean, I love that stuff, right? To me, that, that's what... that's what was there, was there was a cachet to that. There was something you could identify with. And, uh, you know, the the West Coast is cool. I, I think... I'm with you, DJ. I, I love the West Coast swing.
4: Yeah, I've been to every one of those. I haven't played every one of them. I've been to every one of them. I've played a few. In fact, I've I'm proud to say... I broke 100 on the plantation course at Kapalua.
6: Now, boy. <laughs> well, look, at least you can say you've played it. I have not played the plantation course, so you got that going for you.
4: Yeah, yeah, I've been over there a few times uh, on my own and with work, and so I'm very much looking forward to this tournament. I, I tell DJ that every year I make sure I watch as much as possible these next two months just to torture myself thinking, it's snowing outside I could be there it's snowing outside I could be there uh, and one of these days I'm gonna be there and I'm, I'm definitely gonna go to this tournament I have a friend of mine and uh, he was there a few years ago and he told me it was just absolutely awesome and he was standing there um, outside the ropes and there's not that many people there and he was following Rory and Rory sees him and as his warriors walking past him Rory extends his arm and gives him bones And, uh, so yes, he gave him bones back. And then, and then my friend, he's texting me and I'm sitting at home here and he's there. He lives here too. And he's texting me and he's saying he, he wants to go see where Dustin Johnson is next. And he's telling me about what just happened. And so I'm directing him where to go because I'm watching it in my house, uh, telling him okay he's on the thirteenth hole, you need to go go this way, go that way, because I can watch it. Technology today is awesome. So I'm definitely gonna be watching this one this afternoon and through the rest of the week. And and as I go big pitcher, there's three things. You know, we do this draft with Casper and I'm gonna demand going forward that I get Rom every time. He's my I'm gonna pick him every time because I think I think he's set up. And I also think this year, I think we're gonna see a breakout of two players one player is already on the verge of breaking out and that's Morikawa and then I'm gonna go with Victor Hovland as my other guy and when we get to this time next year I think we're gonna look back and we'll see those guys really emerge
6: there's a lot to unpack from what you said there um, you, you know first of all Maui's a from what I hear I'm like I said I haven't been over to that tournament but uh, it's it's obviously a short field and not a lot of people travel all the way over there to, to watch golf. And so you get an opportunity to get up close with the guys. And so it's a great story with Rory. Um, I love to soak it in. It feels like the kickoff of the season, even though the season technically started back in October, feels like the official kickoff. You sit here in the cold and the snow, and you look at the beautiful views there at, at Kapalua. And then you come back to, you know, the desert and, and up the West Coast. So, in you know, Phoenix, of course, and, and that whole party. But, uh, as far as breakout guys, I mean, Morikawa's, I mean, that that's an easy one, right? I mean, the guys played two full years on tour and he's got two majors. He's, he's the, he's the next gen ball striker on the PGA tour. He's that guy. He's a Johnny Miller type of, of ball striker. His iron game is just, you know, he's tiger-like in his iron game. Um, so he's, and he's shown that, you know, when he gets out there in the lead, he's, he's tough to catch and it doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's number two in the world, uh, had an opportunity to go to number one at the hero Tigers event back in December, but you know, he, he's going to have some other chances. He'll have some chances this week. If he were to go on and win, he'd be number one in the world. So yeah, I think Morikawa continues that rise. He doesn't seem like uh, you know, he's so solid in all the fundamentals. You just don't see him having a, a slip. Um, Victor Hovland is, is, has had high expectations since he came out of college. He has an amateur playing at the U S open at Pebble beach. he, you know, had had a good week that week, a lot of attention and, and a lot of expectations, and you know he comes out with that class with Morikawa and Matthew Wolf, and you know th- th- that that group is it's stacked. It, it kind of reminds you of the Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, you know group that that came out before them, and so. Yeah, I, I want one of my stories, you know, we're, that we're going to talk about on the show is this this continuing rise of this next generation. And I'd throw the Will Zalatoris and Sam Burns in there as well. You know, there's just some great young players that are going to continue to, to grow and emerge. That grew up watching, you know, guys like Tiger go out and do what they do, and the guys aren't afraid to win. They get right out there on tour; they're not afraid to win. It's not like the PGA Tour of old where you had to cut your teeth and and then you won majors in your 30s. Just, these guys come right out and, and win and, and, and get after it.
0: So what about the guys and the generation that now is moving into their 30s, even if they aren't all there, the guys who came out and cut their teeth in one, two, three, or four majors, and they can add to the list, they can uh, make their name in the game, or they've had some injuries, they made a lot of money, maybe they got married and their priorities shifted, but they're are they set up for big years. You can yeah, start, I think you can start will... with Rory or Jordan or wherever you want.
6: Yeah, I think Battle of the Stars is you know, and I think uh, you, you, we've got a lot of them: Ron Morikawa, JT, Spieth, McElroy, DJ, Xander, Patrick Cantlay, who's coming off a four-win season and the FedEx Cup champ. Bryson and Brooks, you know, Tony Finau picking up his second win, so um, all those players that were on the U.S. Ryder Cup team, the momentum they're going to take and the confidence out of that, I think is going to be massive this year, so I think you're going to see all those guys battle, you know, along with the, the younger guys that we just mentioned with the Hovlands and Zalatoris, Wolfson, and Burns and that, so uh, I, I, I think, you know, starting with Rom. Uh, look, I'm with, I'm with PK, I think you should pick him every time a major comes around, he, he just came off his first win there at Torrey Pines, he's He's massive. I was watching a Callaway product launch uh, feature, and, and he and, and Xander were on the tee box together. And, I mean, Xander's not as big as, as, as uh, you know, the trunk of, of John Rahm. I mean, the guy's just got so much power, and uh, he's, he seems to be maturing. You know, he's a, he's a dad now. It seems to settle him down. He seems a little more grounded and, you know, trying to control that temper that cost him, I think, a lot of tournaments early in his career. But he's got so much talent. So yeah, John Rahm's number one in the world. Does he does he hold on to it? Does he is he a dominant number one? I think that's going to be an interesting storyline this year. Because again, as you mentioned, Morikawa can take that over, and I think you'll see more of a carousel of that number one. Not because of a, a negative commentary on not having a dominant player, but I think you've got such great players in the aggregate. You're going to see you know uh, more parity. Uh, with I think Justin Thomas is going to have a big year. You got the Players Championship win, shooting 64 68 on the weekend. He had seven top ten. Jordan Spieth seems to have found his stride, got back in the winner's circle. You know, he's a new dad. You know, he seems swing is coming back. He's making those putts again, you know, that he was was really famous for back in 2015-16. Rory McIlroy is, you know, I mean, that that guy, he's coming up on Augusta. It'll be now the eighth time, I believe, that he's had an opportunity to complete the career grand slam by winning the green jacket. And that's going to be a big storyline going into Augusta. DJ, you know, is he... (laughs) I mean, look—the guy was the leading points. Would he go five and zero at the Ryder Cup, and and yet kind of had a down year for for a guy like like Dustin Johnson, who was most recently world number one. Um, so th- those are those are some of the storylines, and then I expect a lot out of uh, out of Tony Fino. You know, um, again, w- w- what will happen after his? Back to back missed cuts in the summertime at the U.S. Open and Travelers. He averaged 68.5 over his last six events, including that win of the Northern Trust. His putter's uh, looking better. So, a um, lot of good storylines. And, of course, everyone wants to know when Tiger will come back. That'll, that'll certainly dominate.
4: I think parody is a dangerous word, though. It sounds good. And if, if you're into it, if you're hardcore, Parody is great, because you're there. You're there all the time. But for the business aspect of it, I wonder how good parody is, because I don't know that we'll ever have a time, and it's impossible to say that, but I'll say it anyway, that we'll have a time of interest in golf that Tiger Woods brought. I don't know that we'll ever be able to recreate that. And there wasn't parody, but yet it was like a golden era. Because he drew so many people in So from the business side of it And golf is basically a niche sport I love it And it's not a niche sport to me But I get its place on the sports spectrum Do they really want parity from a business standpoint Or do you want the one dominant Or maybe you have a second guy So you have like a magic and a bird type of thing In the, in the NBA's glory days You see where I'm going with that?
6: Yeah, no, exactly. And and uh, is it too early to throw Charlie Woods' name out there? I'm just asking. Um,
4: oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I meant to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, there, Woods is going to break uh, Nicholas's record. It's just going to be Charlie. I mean, come on. My goodness, that swing is a thing of beauty.
6: You know, uh, look, to your point, there's nobody watched. There wasn't as many eyeballs on a PGA Tour event as there was with Tiger and Charlie, you know, on a hit and giggle. I mean, it's just he Tiger does that, right? I mean, he... There's not going to be another Tiger, and 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 it's interesting that you said you don't know there'll be another era of excitement like Tiger brought. And I think it's because Tiger completely turned the sport on its ear. I mean, do you remember the first interview we did with Curtis Strange? He goes, "What's your expectations?" And he says, "My expectation is to win." And Curtis laughed at him on camera, and he (laughs) says, "You'll learn." Well, we learned, right? We all learned that Tiger was different. He turned a sport. He took a, you know, he took the Craig Stadler. Uh, and again it 's not a knock on on the walrus, but that was sort of the look of the PGA Tour, and he took it to this you know, young uh, flexible, strong athletic uh, approach and just dominated so we, we were all sort of like, "What is this?" and Bryson 's done that a little bit, but it's so but he hasn't, he hasn 't dominated the sport like tiger hasn 't taken over the sport. so I only put that as context because I think it 's an interesting point PK. Let's say the next Tiger, quote unquote, comes along and he starts doing Tiger-like things. Are we going to be as interested or are we going to be like, yeah, we've seen this? It's not going to to turn us on a ear like what Tiger did with PGA Tour. So um, that's my first comment. Second comment, I, I, I think that Tiger is still in the game enough, still popping in his popularity. And then this young group, I think there's enough stars that maybe they could make that up a little bit with the parody a little bit because the PGA tour is in a good spot on the women's side. We've got Nellie Korda yeah. in the U S number one player in the world. Okay. She is outstanding. She's got a terrific swing and she's the first American. Can you believe this to hold the number one spot over from one season to the next? I mean, you got to go back to Nancy Lopez days before we saw anything like this. And so I think for women's where the women's game is, Having a dominant American player like Nellie, who's very popular, I think having someone like that that people can say, hey, is Nellie playing? I want to tune in and watch that, like what we thought Michelle Wee would do, like we thought what Lexi Thompson would do. I think that's important where, they, where the LPGA is right now. That star power is important. The PGA Tour, it's always important, but I think there's enough of a group of them, and it's, it, that, that I think, does that make some sense? Like, I think that the group can hold their own just a little bit.
4: Well, you talk about Nellie Corda, it's like Ginger and Mary Are you a Nellie or a Jessica?
6: <laughs> well, 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 I'm not going to take it to that. <laughs>
4: that's her sister.
6: I understand that's her sister. Uh, but I, I mean, Nellie looks like, if I was betting on the two, I would probably bet with Nellie, she seems to be, you know, she is the number one for a reason right now. And so, when you yeah. said
4: the Waldress, you know what I thought of? Craig, cuckoo, kachoo. <laughs>
6: <laughs> wow! <laughs> and he's the Britton Covey of
4: <laughs> JJ Verrer, Man, that was a dead-on comparison. <laughs> so, See, I think that anyway, your, I think your theory about the the
0: group of guys can do it a little bit you're basically saying they can't be tiger you're right they can be interesting and you're right they can hold more than just the hardcore and you will see it because there'll be tournaments where those guys don't largely don't play and there won't be as many people at those tournaments. There won't be as many people watching those tournaments on TV. And then when you get back to what Bob calls the A and B plus events where most or all of them play, there will be more eyeballs on it. But it still won't bring what Tiger brought. And for what Tiger brought, you probably have to go back to when you had uh, Nicholas challenging Palmer. You you probably got to go back. It it was probably a 35-year gap. And that's probably what we're waiting for again. But hockey's waiting for the next Gretzky. And the NBA wants to make LeBron the next Jordan and it's awesome but he's still not Jordan mm. I mean mm. he's just he's not it's and fair. he's awesome and he's dominating his era and he's top five all time but Jordan had the uh, a charisma thing that was just I mean it was a supernova it was unbelievable and Tiger had a charisma thing that nobody else has And these other guys are awesome and they have great stories but they don't have a Tiger hat you know, and-, and I
6: think it's unfair to, to suggest that anybody could, right? I mean, I think that's how special Tiger is. I mean, you, you go through and you go, hey, look what, look what these guys are doing. And then you realize Tiger did it like 10x, right? I mean, when you compare Tiger stats, when, whenever we do comparisons and Tiger's name comes up, it's noteworthy and we, we'll talk about it. But then you put it into context for the length, the duration that Tiger held that highest level of play, that's to me what speaks. And Bob, Bob used to say this about Tiger it, back when we first started the show 23 years ago. Well, we'll see the longevity. And I'm like, look, Bob, the guy's like, you can't find a more athletic player. He's going to be healthy for, forever. Well, it turns out he wasn't. But, you know, still, for him to maintain that level of play for a whole decade, you just, you don't see it. And Phil Mickelson's a little bit that way, too. You know, he didn't have the dominating game because of Tiger, obviously. But still, to pick up 45, 46 wins over the span and really not have any major injuries, it's, you know, Phil's, what Phil did at the PGA last year was super exciting for Dolph, and I think, you know, that, that, that's kind of a cool part of the game. You, you never know when that can happen, and we never know when, if that might come back and Tiger might do that at some point in time. So people will tune in to see that too, and I, I guarantee at some point this, this year Tiger's going to tee it up um, based on what I saw last month, which shocked me. Uh, I think we'll see I think we'll see Tiger tee it up sometime this year maybe St Andrews which is relatively flat walk and it's the 150th open championship and obviously he's won a couple of uh, opens there already so uh, that that might be someplace we see we see Tiger with but when he does yeah it'll be it'll be crazy um, what people will tune in to see
4: so get this we know that 16 of Phoenix is very famous right and the Saturday before the tournament, I'm going to be at hole sixteen, not to play golf. They're going to have a concert there, and I'm going to see two of my favorite artists, Thomas Red and Old Dominion, and they're going to play. They're going to set up a stage at sixteen, and they're going to have a concert there. And I'm really su- yeah. So uh, yeah, and the tickets went on sale, oh uh, like November, or October, probably ten minutes gone. And they're selling twenty thousand, so they they'll have the stadium seats there as they normally. They take them down, and then they put them back up. Right. And so obviously they would be up by then because I played the course before in the summer, and, and it it's weird because it looks nothing like it because they've already taken everything down, <clears throat> and then they'll have it back up. So I'll be there on the Saturday before, as they call it the Bird's Nest, and they have entertainment that goes along with the with the Open, uh, with the waste management every night. They have. Um, various groups, and these 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 artists are obviously country, and they're going to start at the Saturday before, and uh, my wife and I and some friends from Arizona are going to go over there, so we're going to be there for a concert, and the, the, the it's going to be in the in the 16th hole. The Bird's Nest is right outside this state. The, the uh, yeah, course. for
6: the Thunderbirds. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. That's you know what? That's I hadn't heard of that. That's awesome. I'd love to see Old Dominion. I've seen Thomas Rhett, um, but. Uh, uh, I, I think that's great. I, that that's, see, Phoenix, Phoenix is unique, right? Phoenix does PGA Tour golf different than everywhere else, and and I love what they're doing. They're expanding that. They're bringing people to the golf course to watch a concert. I think that's outstanding. That's great stuff. Great innovation. Um, more pe- more chances to get people on the golf course the better, as far as a grow the game initiative. So I think that's totally cool. Get the party started Saturday before. Um, that's that's tremendous.
0: And to bring it full circle, maybe that's why I like the Western Swing so much because there's so many distinctive courses and distinctive tournaments, and you get in the middle of the year and they all kind of run together in my mind.
6: A little bit. I, I think there's more character uh, to the West Coast. Uh, you know, I, I think the Florida courses. You know, that is, do you really know the difference if it's you know uh, you know the but, the Valspar right. versus but you, you know, know
0: Phoenix, you know Maui, you know, you know Pebble.
6: Bay Hill, obviously, there's a yeah. few that, you know, stand out. Right. TPC Sawgrass, right, obviously. So, uh, real quick, just a quick plug. So, obviously, Augusta uh, hosting uh, the Masters as it does every year. Uh, the PGA's at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Um, Tigers won there. Or Keith Goosen's won there. Uh, U.S. Opens at the Country Club at Brookline. Uh, that's the greatest game scene. You know, Francis, we met. That, that 99 Ryder Cup there with the big comeback, Justin Leonard's putt. So, that's going to be fun to see. We haven't seen, uh, I don't think, uh, an open there since the 80s. Uh, And then, of course, the 150th Open at the old course of St. Andrews. So it should be be a fun year for golf and then a President's Cup at the end of the year. So uh, I'm excited to kick things off this Saturday on the show.
0: All right, thanks. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. There's Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. When we come back, what is trending? All the big news coming up. Stay with us.
8: Left corner to O'Neill. He's going to fire again and hit. They're leaving Royce O'Neill on their rotation and Royce astutely taking
1: advantage. Van Bleed on a handoff trailing. Finds Boucher at the rim. White right side blocked it from
4: behind.
1: Jazz the other way, five on four. O'Neill down the lane.
4: Finger roll layup is good. Rudy Gate, another look past to Clarkson. Ball takes a three, drives to his right. They know it. So he squirrels back to his left
8: and fires the three and tickles
4: the twine. Wow.
0: Highlights from the Jazz game is they beat Toronto back on November 18th. The rematch in Toronto doesn't sound like it's going to be much of a rematch. Joe Ingles is out. He's in COVID and health and safety protocols. Now Rudy Gobert has joined him in COVID health and safety protocols. So they're down two guys right there. It's a back-to-back. They're playing the Pacers Saturday. Mike Conley doesn't usually play back-to-backs. He has a couple times this year, but mostly he is not. They're listing him uh, as out with right knee injury recovery. So no surprise there that he's missing the game. Now Donovan Mitchell listed as out with a lower lo- uh, left lower back strain. Brian Bogdanovich listed as out with a left middle finger sprain. Meanwhile, Royce O'Neal questionable, Hassan Whiteside questionable, Jordan Clarkson questionable, and Rudy Gay questionable. Now if you're thinking, wait a minute, that sounds like the Jazz rotation, you'd be right. And, of course, looming over all of this is it's international travel. If you leave the country, if you test positive for COVID, how quickly do you get back in? Is a player left behind while the team goes on to play other games? And then how does that work? And So, if you got guys who are out, then they could just go straight to Indiana and wait for the team. So, if this looks like what Yach has labeled here a Spartan group, that's very Greek of you, very... Isn't it? I was going to go with the JV team, but I'm simple. I'm not a JV literary giant here. like yourself. JV team works here, A though. Spartan group. Let's see what the Athenians think of that. Let's see what Doke and company are. Are they playing Michigan State? What is it? A Spartan group? Okay, San Jose State. Give me more Spartans. Ready? Go. Daniel House signed to a 10-day contract. I'll bet Daniel gets to go to Toronto. Yeah, he's on. The, he's on a trip, <laughs> and Daniel gets to play. Probably. This is, you know, we can sit here and laugh and say, oh, ah, yeah. but for a lot of guys, this is their shot. They've had the dream. They either haven't been in the NBA, they've been in the G League, or they like house. They've been in and out of the NBA. Maybe they've been in the NBA for a while and now they're out. And this is your shot. Go play well, Jerry Sloan. Man, there's 29 other teams looking. They're all watching. So bring it. I would assume the Jazz get beat tonight, but you never know. It's certainly going to be a very watered-down lineup. Jazz and Raptors tonight, and then I would expect most of the guys are back for the Jazz and Pacers game tomorrow. Not Joe and Rudy. I think they're out. Although, Joe at five days, he's coming up on it, so I don't know if he plays Saturday, but maybe he's back Monday, depending on how he's doing. You know, He, he does our show every week, and he always gets back to us. And on the rare occasions that he doesn't do the show one week, and those are very rare occasions, maybe once a year, we usually know he's not going to. And we usually know why. In this case, I think we know why. But he didn't even get back to Yacht. So it's just COVID protocol, then a complete blackout. So, All right, there you go. Jazz, they got the 10-game road winning streak, but uh seems like the odds are long tonight. In a weird way, though, it makes it more interesting. I want to see what, I want to see what the heck happens tonight. DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag NBA. Rebound grab by Adams. Grizzly starting to pull away. Morant into the front court. Downhill at Trey Lyles. Hangs. What a move. Floats and scores. Right, left, and Trey Lyles was left hugging air while Morant floats it up and in. Chris Paul with a block. Blocked by Chris Paul. Driving to the basket, and CP3 comes away with it. CP3 wants a three. And that one's good. Straight away as he brought it up, called
0: his own number, and drilled it. Herb Jones up top. Ingram steps into a straightaway three. Got it. Woo! It's about time, baby. Here we go. Far sideline. Half court left. 1.5 to go. Tie game at 105 to Barrett. One dribble. Right wing three for the win. Baker is good. He banked it in. Barrett banked it in. And the Knicks have won the ball game at the buzzer. Knicks beat the Celtics at the buzzer. 108-105. Big fourth quarter for the Knicks. They win the last quarter 31-21. It's actually a big second half. 61-42. to They dominated the second half. The Celtics had built an enormous lead. We're up by 18 at halftime, but they blow it, and they lose right at the end. The games that matter to Jazz fans the most, the two teams right in front of the Jazz, the Warriors and the Suns both playing. Well, some of the Warriors were playing. Coming off of 5 for 24, Steph Curry didn't play. So how big a problem was the quad? Is he missing shots because his legs don't feel good? Do they want to get him healthy? He doesn't play. And when Steph doesn't play, Draymond Green doesn't play. So the Warriors weren't really the Warriors as they go into New Orleans and get beat. 101-96. Brandon Ingram who had a very quiet night shooting the ball against the Jazz. 32 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and the Pelicans get the win over the Warriors. The Suns also played. They beat the Clippers soundly. 106-89 the final score. Uh, It was a blowout at halftime. The Suns had a 16-point lead. They win by 17. The Suns are led by Cam Johnson. 24 points and seven rebounds in that game. So the the Clippers, of course, are just way shorthanded right now. I mean, Kawhi Leonard long-term out. And now, now they're they're playing weeks without Paul George here. So Marcus Morris, senior, led them with 26 points, but they didn't have enough juice to handle the Suns, who now have the NBA's best record. They improved to 30 and eight. They are a game in front of the Warriors and two games in front of the Jazz. And those three teams all had better records than the Bulls, who lead the East. The Bulls are actually fourth in the East, uh, fourth in the NBA right now, 25 and 10. But the top three in the West are the top three in the league right now. NBA fined the Sacramento Kings assistant general manager, Wes Wilcox, $15,000, and the team fifty dollars for violating league rules prohibiting team owners and executives from interacting with scores table personnel during the game. The NBA said Wilcox left his seat to confront operations personnel at the scores table about the handling of a clock procedure during the jump ball in the second half Sunday night in the Kings' victory over Miami. The league said the clock procedure at issue was administered correctly by the shot clock operator. So the assistant GM wanted to cheat. He wanted to do it wrong. You know, actually, there's the rules. Now, the unwritten rule in the NBA is they'd really prefer owners not be courtside. Because when you're in the luxury suite and you lose your mind, you're not in view of everyone immediately, right away. You're not close to the players. You're not close to the coaches. I mean, you can think back. There have been a uh, couple times, you know, Larry Miller interacted with a player and got fired or... The playoff game with the Nuggets where Larry went around to the end of the bench and was hollering at Jerry Sloan to get Carl Malone out. And when you're down there and you're competitive and you get fired up, well, you're in full view of the camera, you're in full view of the fans, the announcers, everybody. You're going to lose your mind because you're super competitive, and lots of these guys are, otherwise they wouldn't be billionaires and they wouldn't own teams. If you're not super competitive, take your billions, go buy an island, look at the palm trees and the waves. There's plenty of billionaires who do that. It's not like every billionaire owns a sports team. They really like you to be up in the luxury suite. Can you imagine Jerry Jones on the sideline for three hours during a Cowboys game? The cameras would have a field day with that. They'd all enjoy it. There's a reason Jerry's up high. DJ and PK. Hashtag college
5: basketball.
0: Wow, we actually had college basketball games. I mean, some of you have a problem getting into college basketball. It is, and when the games start being hit and miss, are they playing now, are they not playing now? This game's being canceled all over the place. But the Pacific Tigers came in and played BYU, and the Cougars pulled away in the final 10 minutes of the game and won 73-51. It was a tight game and a tense game for a long time. I mean, Pacific was hanging around. They were they were right there at uh, what was it fifty to forty-four? With, about
2: six, uh, about ten minutes to go.
0: Under so. under ten minutes to go, yeah. And that's when the Cougars go on the run, twenty-three to seven, and the game. And it's just a struggle to score. I mean, they they defended fine. Pacific ends up with fifty-one points. You got no complaints about that. Pacific shoots thirty-one percent, but it's just a struggle to score. Now, ultimately, they end up with five guys in double figures. They they get it going. Uh, Loner, two points on one for four shooting. I know everybody, you know you wanted him and then he changed his mind and he was a big recruit and BYU gets him and he looks the part and he rebounds and they're playing unless he only played 20 minutes Getting George coming off the bench for 20, 20 minutes Knight came off the bench for 17 uh, you know it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Traore can give them Uh, 12 points, 11 rebounds. They gave him the double-double, and they get the win. Now, the game before that, he's super quiet. The game before that, they're in Hawaii, and he absolutely goes off. So, you see what a a great game looks like. You see what a bad game looks like, but what is it going to be night in and night out? And I know that assumes they're going to play night in and night out, but let's just go ahead and assume, okay? So, what's he going to be night in and night out? And who else can shoot it besides Barcelo? Lucas hit three threes. Nell hit a couple, and they got the seventy-three points. And Pacific looks like the bottom half of the league. They are five and ten. They are zero and one, and that was a home game. So that was—I don't know. Can you say easy test? That was more a quiz than a test. It's a conference game, so it's important. But they're gonna have—they're gonna have to play really better. And on a night where they struggle for thirty minutes, if they've been playing, St. Mary's is coming in on the weekend. How would that have gone? USF looks
2: like a top half of the league. Their team. next three games. U.S. Uh, was it St. Mary's? Gonzaga, if, if it USF. if it happens, if it happens, yes. Because the
0: St. Mary's game last night didn't happen. We haven't heard.
2: No, we have heard. Pope said last night that they will he play did. that game.
0: Okay, well, that's good to know. So that's on ESPN two eight o'clock Saturday night. So it's St. Mary's, then a trip up to Gonzaga, and then to USF. And to your point, there's three teams that ought to finish in the top half of the league. The Utes. Speaking of problem scoring, they had a 14 point lead. They were sailing along. They hit a dry spot. Washington hits three quick threes, goes on a run. Actually, the run ended up being 25-5. to five. It was 9-0, or maybe it was 10-11 zip in a row there. And it all falls apart for the Utes, and that was 11 versus 12 in the Pac-12 right there. Washington was 0-1. The Utes were 1-3. So for the Utes, now 1-4, last in the Pac-12. Washington stayed at the Huntsman Center tomorrow at 4 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. Utah State, they're in Albuquerque, taking on New Mexico. Scotty G will have the call, pregame at 5.30. The game will tip off at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Dixie State and UVU in a whack game, in-state game, a conference game. They'll be on ESPN Plus tomorrow. Big Sky, Weber State's game at Idaho State was postponed. SUU coming off a postponement last night. will host Northern Arizona in Cedar City, 5 o'clock on ESPN Plus. DJ and PK.
4: Hashtag NFL. We let Antonio go today just to clear you up on some things that happened at no point in time during that game did he ever ask a trainer or a doctor about his ankle he never went through that's the normal protocol you go through protocols during games I was never notified of it so obviously that was a, the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game All right. he was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted got that calmed down players took care of that it started again on the sideline we called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. I then went back approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, you're done. Get the f out of here. That's the end of it. We're working on Carolina. That's the end of the
10: story. Hopefully it ends today.
0: Why do I think it doesn't end today? Bruce Arians wanted to end it on Sunday with he's gone. That's it. Go on and talk about the win, and yet here it is, rebutting the story that uh, it was injury-related. So the Bucks, meanwhile, trying to clinch that playoff seed, they've got the berth already set up. But how is it going to shake out as far as the one, two, three, and four seats here in the final weekend of the season, which starts on Saturday, with the season going a week longer, and with college football pretty much done except for the title game Monday night. Never miss a broadcast window if you're if, if you're the uh, if you're the NFL. They put a double header on Saturday. The only surprise there is that they didn't put a triple header on Saturday. Two thirty, Chiefs and Broncos on ESPN and ABC. Six fifteen, Cowboys and Eagles. Chiefs hoping to get the top spot. That loss last weekend hurt them. They may end up being the two seed, but they don't want to drop any lower than that. Broncos have already been eliminated. That game's on both ESPN and ABC at 2.30. Cowboys and Eagles. The Cowboys taking the loss last week to Arizona. Probably going to end up four, but they need to beat the Eagles and give themselves a chance to move up if somebody else slips. Maybe they can get up to three. The Eagles, nine and seven. And the Eagles beat the Cowboys. They are already in the playoffs, but where they will be seated remains to be seen. The game that matters in the NFC as far as in or out is the Rams and the Niners. Rams are 12-4, battling for the two-seed, so they got something at stake. And the Niners need a win to get in. If they lose, it opens the door. Now, the Niners can lose and back in. But the Saints, sitting there at 8-8, can catch the Niners. It's it's not outrageous. Taysom Hill and the Saints get the win at Atlanta, and the Niners lose to the Rams. Then New Orleans gets into the playoffs on the final day. So that's what's at stake in the NFC. Over in the AFC, Tennessee's trying to win and clinch the top spot. They're level with Kansas City at 11-5, but despite the fact they're all tied up, Tennessee's got the head-to-head win over the Chiefs, so that'll get them the top spot. Indianapolis needs to be Jacksonville to clinch a spot. I would assume they do that. Jacksonville is 2-14. And and then the Chargers and Raiders Sunday night to see who is in and who is out. If Jacksonville loses, loses then, or excuse me, if Jacksonville upsets Indianapolis, then the Chargers and Raiders could play to a tie and both get in. Which would be weird, but I don't think it comes to that. I don't think anybody serious thinks it comes to that. All right, the USFL 2.0. The USFL is back, baby. Hiring the first four coaches, Todd Haley, Kevin Sumlin, Mike Riley, Bart Andrus play scheduled to start in the spring. They're going to have spring football on TV, but they're supposed to play all the games in one location. So. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. And takes the handoff and just waltzes in over the left side. Tavian Thomas rushing touchdown number 21.
10: And terrific blocking up front.
0: Tavion Thomas's Rose Bowl touchdown there in the second quarter. He announced he will return to Utah for the 2022 season. Had early season turnover woes, wasn't getting many carries, spent a lot of time standing on the sideline, but picked it up in the second conference game, took over, made the job his, and finished with 1,100 yards and 21 touchdowns playing part of the season. Now it's now a 14-game season, so (laughs) hey, that's... There are records still around from 11- and 12-game seasons, but you got teams playing 13, 14, and in some cases 15 games now. Thomas is back. Good news for the Utes. Now they know what they're doing at running back. I, I don't know that him leaving would have been awful news because the way the Utes run the ball, it seems like they would have gone into the portal and gotten somebody good and made it work, so I don't know that it would have been a big hit if Thomas was gone, but you got some certainty now because you know he can do it because you watched him do it. And he's back for one more year. The quarterback portal. Do they have their own portal, Yak? There's the transfer portal. I think we need, there's so much action, I think you need two portals. And everybody moves through one portal, and then the quarterbacks go through their own. No, we have all in one big it's All one massive. F- mm-hmm. I see a tunnel. What do you see in a portal? Do you see like a Star Trek thing where they stand there and then they get beamed to another school? I think it's more like this. You know, you ever watch Stargate, The the... TV show. I'm not a big sci-fi guy, so I'm not either. If it's not super mainstream, borderline action Stargate adventure, had I'm not like your this guy. big
2: circular thing that it created, like this this like it looked like a plasma field. They walked into it and went. They got trans. Okay, that's kind of right. what
0: I think of it. All right. That would work. Former Missouri quarterback Connor Bazelak is headed to Indiana to compete with Jack Tuttle. He started Indiana.
2: What? Bazelak.
0: Bazelak. Tuttle is a former Ute who was here for half a minute or. A quarter of a semester, a few weeks. Bailed before Halloween, never played a game. He's a big recruit out of San Diego. The reason that they didn't go after Wilson. Though so he's at in Indiana trying to make it happen. Texas A&M. Zach Calzado led the Aggies to an episode of number one. Alabama is going to Auburn to compete to be the Tigers' new starting quarterback. Bo Nix had the job there, but he left for Oregon. Can't tell the players without a program. Be a big program. Almost 1,500 guys in the transfer portal. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. You left RSL out with the press conference. They want to win big. They want. Oh, you're going to win now? Okay, now you're going to do it.
5: Hashtag RSL. That that
0: puts something kind of official. Kind of official. Fire away. They said the right things. They won the press conference. That's not the main goal. The goal is to win when you start playing games. But it is good to go out at the press conference and not step in it. So David Blitzer comes in. So it turns out, he and Ryan Smith, if you're wondering what kind of a shotgun marriage slash partnership this is, they've known of each other for a long time. They got to know each other because of the 76ers. Uh, Blitzer's a minority owner there, and Ryan Smith said, well, you're on calls, and you get to know personalities. You get to, to know people. So over the uh, little more than a year that Ryan's on the team they've gotten to know each other a little bit so that's the background there and Ryan knows of uh, Blitzer because Blitzer owns a half dozen teams and he knows about the soccer portfolio so there's that uh, and Blitzer did drop because they asked him about are you going to go out and sign designated players or is it kind of Oakland A's money ball the way you're thinking Or and he said blend of the two depends on what needs to be done to the situation but be clear the goal is the MLS Cup so that's where he set the bar in his own words. And Ryan followed up with, hey, we want to win. So if you're wondering how they're going to handle this, that's what they say. Obviously, actions speak louder than words, and there'll be multiple roster decisions made going forward. And No one will. They're in the transfer window right now. Not the transfer portal. They have a window. So I can really visualize that, Yach, as opposed to the portal. But uh, Ryan did say, you know, this is a process over years. It doesn't happen in a day. You're in the middle of a window. How many guys can you get here? And, man, if you think the transfer portal is crazy in soccer, international, and, I mean, everybody in soccer talks about around the world, kickbacks, bribes, like you have to target four guys to get one because it gets out of hand when you start competing for uh, global free agents.
2: All right, I want to bring things full circle. We're actually just seeing this come across. Adrian Wojnarowski, the Utah Jazz are planning to sign center Norvell Pell to a 10-day hardship deal. He is expected to play tonight versus Toronto, so go we'll right back to the Utah Jazz for a moment. Well, there it is, going
0: full circle. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, is going to join us next. The Jazz and the Raptors tonight. What's left of the Jazz and the Raptors tonight, I would think David Locke has to do a lot more prep for together. You're going to have to do a lot of prep on Rudy. He's got Rudy's backstory and numbers memorized. All right, DJ and PK, David Locke is coming up next. Ryan Smith, Jazz owner, majority owner of the Jazz, minority owner of RAL Salt Lake, is going to join us today at 8 o'clock so we can talk soccer and basketball with him at that point. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone.
5: This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson.
11: I really don't care what your net rating is. You know what I care about? Your wins and losses. It's the only stat that matters in basketball. And if you beat a team with a net rating of plus .01, but you win every game and your net rating is plus .01, it's better than going 50 and 32 and having a net rating of plus 50 because when you win, you blow teams out, and when you lose, you lose by one point. Like, the wins are what matters, and that's what you've got to do. So looking at the Jazz, looking at that type of thing, having more versatility, having different ways to win more games is more beneficial than blowing blowing out the wins that you do win.
5: Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone powered by kslsports.com
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke's going to join us in a minute. Ryan Smith, Jazz Majority Owner. Ralph Salt Lake Minority Owner will join us at 8 o'clock. PK, the Jazz have had their Full lineup for most of the year. A couple times they've missed guys. Donovan Mitchell missed a couple games. Conley's missed some. Not all of the back-to-backs, some. But tonight, a different deal. This is uh, really not even going to look like the Jazz, is it?
4: Not that we know, but you know, I've always said, if you're going to do something, don't do it half you-know-what. Go all the way. <laughs> and they're going all the way.
0: <laughs> don't do it half you-know-what. If you're going to sit guys and leave them in Indiana, sit them all and leave them. So any of the guys who are going to play tonight, we can talk about this with David Locke in a minute. Any of the guys who are going to play tonight uh, get your attention, intrigue you, or this lineup is so set it
4: doesn't really matter? Yeah, absolutely. It intrigues me, for sure. Yeah. It's the reason why I watch the Summer League. Uh, You know, Azubuke had a bunch of rebounds in the Summer League, so what can he do now? I assume he's going to get more than the 16 minutes he got the other night, right? So let's see if he can use his big body because he's a massive human being for sure. Yeah. So what 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 kind of presence can he make himself be? If I'm these guys, I couldn't be more excited. If I'm the guy, if I'm the guys who aren't playing, I'm just seriously miffed that tomorrow's game isn't in Miami.
0: (laughs) Okay, nice. Let's have a day off in South Florida instead of a day off in Central Indiana.
4: Yeah, I mean, no offense to Central,
0: Central Indiana. Indiana.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. We would be
0: offended if someone said, well, I don't want a day off in Salt Lake. I want a day off in uh, Los Angeles or San Francisco.
4: No, I wouldn't if it's in the uh, first week of January. You uh, would understand. I, that, I want yeah, a, I, mean, I want a day off in Phoenix. Yeah, you're going weather. I'm just going weather. I mean, that, Miami just happens to have the weather. Uh, so for those guys, yeah, put your feet up, relax, do what you got to do. I don't know who's going to be available tomorrow. It doesn't look like Joe and Rudy Gobert are going to be available. I'm not sure. Uh, but for the, the kids who have an opportunity to play tonight, go Wally pip somebody. I mean, it's <laughs> unlikely that it's, it's going to happen, but that would be my mindset. So, yeah, actually, I mean, I don't expect them to win the game. But because of this circumstance, I'm still counting my 17 and three. Oh, you're taking a mulligan? I have to. Come on. (laughs) This isn't really the team. Right. If you missed it, Ingles
0: is out. Gobert is out. Conley is out. Bogey is out. Mitchell is out. And Royce O'Neal, Hassan Whiteside, Jordan Clarkson, and Rudy Gay are all questionable. So... A shadow of their former selves. All right, it's time to bring in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He joins us uh, every Friday here on the Zone Sports Network. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning.
1: Good morning, David James, Patrick Kinahan. How are two of my favorite people to talk to first thing in the morning? Uh, we're great, we're at work. <laughs>
0: So am I. So are you. Apparently not all the Jazz players are. I assume that you are doing a lot more homework on the Jazz for this game than you would normally have to.
1: I am. I mean, I think I'm going to just sit around all day and prep a lot of Trent Forrest, Malik Fitz, Jared Butler, Udoka Azabuke for the Doka Dunk. What else we got today? Elijah Hughes started his career in Eastern Carolina, then went to Syracuse. What else do you want to know? Kind of know all there is to know about these guys. There hasn't been a lot new in two years to add to the list, quite honestly.
0: What can you tell Jazz fans about Daniel House, who just signed the 10-day contract? That way the clock doesn't start running. We've heard about it for a while, but don't sign it and don't start the clock. Uh, What what do you know about him?
1: So my instinct on this one is it actually might be a little bit more than like a 10-day contract. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't end up being a part of the roster. You know, with Mia One going, um, the, he, he's actually cheaper than Mia One. He's probably better than Mia One. Um, so he really played – he played about 75% of his possessions in Houston with Harden. So that tells me a few things. One, he can defend a little bit. He can he can guard because when Harden's on the floor, Harden's not guarding. So you need someone out there. Two, he can shoot it because Harden's going to create it. And get it for you. He shot at about 36, 38 percent, I think 36 predominantly percent. While in so he and he's got a great body, right? He's 6'6", 200. Like it's kind of the piece of the that's the you know the body we don't have on our roster. So it makes sense that um, and it's us. Talking to some people around the league, they say he can dribble a little bit. He can pass. Um, this was interesting. I said to someone like, well, what about defensively? They're like, ah, oh, he's not going to matter defensively. You have Gobert. What do you need? I said, well, give me, like, Joe... He's like, oh, way better. Boy, I'm like, Domits. I'm like, he's like, way better. I was like, Royce O'Neill." He's like, better. And I was like, whoa. Like, Royce O'Neal's our best defender. So, um, so that leads me to believe that if he can kind of assimilate and get what we're doing and got his head screwed on right and is, is all lined up, that he might be here for longer than just a 10-day contract.
4: So you'd rather have house than more roster flexibility at the trade deadline?
1: Uh, we're. I don't know that you need more than one spot, the deadline but okay. maybe I mean you know so what you do a three for one deal and you want to keep all the players and you have to release house and you just release house
4: right right that well yeah yeah but I'm thinking do you think that house might be better for what they need than what they could get out there
1: Um, he might be played I mean, a lot of minutes he did not have very good playoff runs um, against us, he had one decent playoff series Against uh, Oklahoma City, and then out of four-one against the Warriors. But he's been there, right? He's played those moments. Uh, yeah, I, I really think it's probably a question of uh, roster buyout. I, I don't see us being able to do an awful lot of the trade deadline. Maybe I'm wrong, Danny's You know, Danny, Justin's always been very aggressive. Danny's been very creative. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't see. The trade deadline is super interesting this year because with the play-in, 20 of 30 teams now make the playoffs. So suddenly 24 of 30 teams think they're in it. And then the teams at the top, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Nets, um, the Bucs a little bit, have very little roster flexibility and very few kind of chips to throw in the middle of the table to make deals right now. And so I, I, I'll be curious to see. I mean, there's these massive names floating around. Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant, Damian Lillard, probably in the wrong order, um, of players that might make a really big impact. But on the other end, it, it's hard for me to figure out, like, how anyone's acquiring any of them. You know, Jeremy Grant is probably a first-round draft pick and maybe a young player. Like, we're probably not doing that. Like, our first-round draft picks get pretty deep in there to a level where we're not going to have any idea what our roster is and
0: that's a pretty risky move so i guess the biggest thing then would be who wants to unload money because you're talking basketball deals but what about money deals i think 14 teams are over the luxury tax number six teams are over it by 15 million or more so there's a chance the jazz would move a salary take back a a deal someone considers bad, you know, a longer deal, and but get a good young player who's inexpensive in the process. That's been done before. Do you think that kind of deal could be looming out there?
1: I can't. I can't see us taking on salary. We're pretty far into the luxury tax. Uh, I, I actually could see us making a subtle another Mihoni move. Like that Mihoni savings the other day. Maybe it doesn't move the meter for. A, jet, you know, a fan, and I get it. I wouldn't really care either. But for the books, like I think they saved close to two point five million dollars, right? By releasing Oni? if it's,
0: so it's, it's your two and maybe, a half million. If it's your two and a half million dollars, that would get your that would get your attention. A
1: million dollars is a lot. So yeah, maybe Ryan Smith's worth whatever, but he's not throwing. We're not throwing away two point five million dollars for players that don't play. Like I'm really glad Trent Forrest has played well because Trent Morris. So the rules changed a little bit with the two way. Trent Forrest was coming up on some maybe this he could make himself a million, but it was gonna cost the team like three and a half. And my reaction was like, I really like Trent Forrest. I think he's really good. He's not worth three and a half. I'm gonna let him go. I think he's actually earned himself a spot in a way that's really nice to see, but like, you know, quite frankly, there's some other guys on the roster that you know, it's it's a tough call when it suddenly gets down to the for no production at all you're paying three million that's
4: a lot yeah for sure I agree with that hard to argue with that uh, how much do you think I don't want to go too crazy but this is Azubuki's chance to show what he has
1: yeah i just really feel as though the world has conspired against his development uh, and so I don't have high hopes uh and what I mean by that is, you know, he comes out of the draft. I got my timing right. He comes out of the draft in the COVID, the COVID year, right? That that he's the COVID class, the, the first. So there's no workouts. There's no summer league. There's virtually no training camp. There's really no G League. There's the G League bubble, which he gets hurt in immediately. Like last year is an utter complete waste. The most impressive thing to me about him in sense of growth is that his body was actually all right last night. The book on him, as big as he is, is that every time he's been hurt or been off the court for an extended period of time, understandably, he gains a little weight, and then he's got, he has to really work to get back in shape. I mean, I thought he looked like he could have died, but he was at altitude against Nikola Jokic. So five minutes in, I didn't think it was a bad thing. He looked like he was going to die. I actually was impressed that he went that long. So... Um, but then you, then you look at, like, this offseason, he's rehabbing the ankle. He's now back into, like, he goes into G League. He gets hurt again. Like, he just hasn't had a chance. He's got so much development. He is not a second-jump player. He's not a multiple-action player. There's so much he has to learn. He's not afraid laterally going back on the pick-and-roll. And he just hasn't had a chance to do it. I, I'm not going to put this as a litmus test on where he is as a player or judge. I mean it's a great chance, yes, But I'm not going to put a great. It would be like judging you in physics, but we didn't give you the textbook and we only let you go to one class and then you got pulled out of the other classes and by the way here's the final and we're going to judge whether you're smart or not. So, yeah, probably not a great test.
4: <laughs> it's not they didn't draft him based on those judgments. They drafted him because they thought they saw something in him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. has not a chance
0: to show it again. Butler had all the fans fired up in the preseason, and you can see him beat people off the dribble, but then there's a the whole hesitancy. Does he take a shot? Does he pass the ball? And the defense gets reset and everything sticks and screams a guy who needs more reps. It's what the G League is there for. Do you think he's gotten enough out of that, or are you going to repeat the... Uh, the as a so weak answer. I,
1: I think he's having more of a traditional rookie year that's been actually productive, right? He went through a little bit of a training camp. He got a lot of preseason games. He then got a rude awakening. He's gone through the stretch where he's been down to think. He, he's thinking all the time. I think he's probably confused why he doesn't play, right? He's coming in with a bundle of confidence. He's the final. He's the MVP of the Final Four. He thinks he should be playing. He still doesn't. You know, still confused what happened. Draft night, like, this has been a really hard stretch for this kid. But I think he's used the G League well. He still has an array of skills. He's still small. um, You know, but he has, I think, used some really good developmental time. And tonight's probably a night for him. And it's going to be interesting because, actually, this is the worst matchup these kids could ever have. Like, if you're going to tell me one of 29 teams that you have to go up against as a young player who doesn't quite know the speed of the league yet, this would be the worst one. They're all 6'8", 20 They're all crazy fast. They're all crazy long. They trap. They come from every direction. They do everything that's athletic. They force turnovers and grab offensive rebounds. This is as bad a matchup as you can have if you're trying to find your footing in the NBA.
4: How intrigued are you to see what Clay Thompson can do when he comes back as they're talking Sunday?
1: I mean, that's the story of the. It's interesting, right? So, is there a better time of the NBA than January fifteenth to like March fifteenth? And yet, in the next two months, we could have Klay not with that Kyrie return. We could have Klay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, and Jamal Murray all come back. That that's the story in the next two months. The West right now is three teams, and let's give credit to Memphis for being in the conversation. And it's actually, you know, the race is on for one. We're, what, two games back in Phoenix, one game back in the Warriors now?
7: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so the race is on for one. If We survive this, this health and safety protocol stretch and not go too far back in this upcoming probably two weeks of players being in and out all the time. And if we do, then it's this race for one. Well, I actually think the race for one could become even more important than ever before because – Let's give Memphis credit, say they hold at four. Dallas is five. You know, Denver is six with Jamal Murray, and the Clippers are seven with Kawhi Leonard. Like, I want one.
0: What did you think of the small ball lineup against Denver? I realize it may be a while before we see the whole team together. We'll have to see how this plays out. But that was an extended stretch. You would think Jokic could really punish the small ball lineup. Now, granted, he doesn't have enough around him. But what'd you think? Was that it looked like the best to me? The best that that group has performed. What are, what are your expectations for it in the second half of the season?
1: So I thought the interesting one, frankly, was that I was I almost think that they were kind of like done with it, right? It had been pretty pretty awful, and I actually thought that they might have been at the point where they were done with it. Like we're not we're not going back to it. So I kind of love and thought that how you know forced innovation, right? So they did it, and they finally figured out how to play offensively, more than defensively. They've been really terrible offensively with that lineup for the last, um, you know, in all those times they were in the zero percentile offensively in what they in what they were doing. Wait one second, guys. Love you. Have a good trip.
7: Thank um, you.
1: Uh, I love you too. Kid. Um, you have a good trip. Are you going to St. George to play golf? Because she's going to LA to play golf. So, what, are you are you jealous, or are you going to St. George to play golf? <laughs> yeah. So she should have gone to Saint George with you to play golf. Have I, should have I trusted my sixteen year old daughter with you? I guess somebody already. I guess you already are raising one, so I probably should trust you with one also. Uh,
4: yeah, trust me till they pull my hair out. But yeah, <laughs>
1: right. I mean, should I have? Should you and you and Jackie want to keep another kid for a little while? You can like take take her down play a little golf. Better. You know, Thanks for know, joining us. For
4: Thanks for joining us, David. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>
1: okay. So anyway, back to, back to the five-out lineup. Uh, I, you know, I really think that when they they got forced into it, and what was happening, Ron Boone was talking about this the whole time on the air. It was really interesting. You think of five out as having like all this space, right? Well, you actually have no space on the perimeter because you have five out. And we had, nobody could drive, nobody could get anywhere. Guys were standing shoulder to shoulder. And finally, Royce O'Neal and Boyan and others started cutting and moving. And that opened up that offense a little more. It's very different than what we're used to, right? And so it's a hard adjustment. And the question is really going to be whether they can implement an entirely different offense and get them to figure out how to play that way, you know, without Rudy Gobert setting picks or Asan Weissman setting picks, which is the basis of everything else we run.
0: He's David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz. He's got to go do more prep to get ready for a jazz lineup that's gonna look very different tonight in Toronto. Do you think most I'm prep,
1: of the I'm prep the way PK does from not
0: from not at 10. From
1: noon
0: to four every day. All right. All right. Thank you, David. Yeah. dj and pk we're got to take a break right now ryan smith jazz majority owner and now minority owner in rail salt lake he will join us coming up in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280
10: the zone
5: this is unrighted you
0: guys are doing a hell of a
10: job here's what is great about what george klikoff said i love the brutal honesty I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and, and call it what it is and say what it is, you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a Band-Aid on it and say, no, we're, we're in a good spot. we we'll just, you know, just give us another year. Just give us you know, it's a building year, you know, but but man, next year, things are going to be good. Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to, like, making change. That
5: is Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL Sports.com.
0: This week's Raider game against the Chargers is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now at the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. PK, is there enough drama in this last NFL weekend for you? Or do you just want to hit fast forward and get to the playoffs already?
4: Well, usually this time of year, we're used to playoffs. Right. It's obviously being pushed back a week. But, yeah, I can still live with it. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders and Chargers, who's going to get it in? And you never know, man. Maybe they win a game. Maybe they win two games. Maybe they get bombed in a first round. But sure, yeah, the NFL, it, I mean, it, it, it's as big as it gets. So, absolutely, there's enough intrigue. And teams who are uh, – You know they're in, but maybe they haven't been playing as well. Can they get some more momentum? Like the Cowboys, right? That loss last week to the Cardinals was completely and totally out of left field. So, don't they want to get some momentum? So, you look at it from that perspective, sure. There's plenty of intrigue.
0: Back in the division where they haven't lost this year, they're 500 outside the division, 500-ish, but they are unbeaten inside the division. They got the Eagles Saturday night. I was really struck between the difference between college football and pro football. You know pro football, it's not that they don't have the problems and make their mistakes. Man, they extend the season by a week, and that was years in the making. but they see an open Saturday, they find a TV partner and they plop two games in there and make more money. <laughs> they just and, and college football and and may everything's got to be done by committee, but don't the NFL owners have to act as a committee and it's not that things never leak because they do. It just seems like the NFL is a well-oiled machine. When it comes to making money, they don't miss too many beats.
4: we got Ryan Smith coming up, right? Yeah. And in the last 15 months or so, he's made significant investments, one more so than the other, but I don't discount the amount of money that he has to do for RSL. So what that is telling me is these people who are brilliant, and I have to assume he's got a level of intelligence that probably supersedes me. (laughs) (laughs) And and so he has decided that it's worth – his time, his money, his energy to invest in sports because sports, it's not going away. It's just getting bigger and bigger. RSL's a little down on the totem pole, but that doesn't matter. I mean, everything is down on the totem pole compared to the NFL, right? We'd all agree with that. But yet he sees this as a viable opportunity that he wants to be a part of. So you take it up another notch or two, obviously, at the NFL, and they see that they are just sitting on this massive business and it is a machine and it cranks out money and all this type of stuff here in terms of putting these games on. I would imagine these games that you just spoke of, particularly the Cowboy game on Saturday night, there's going to be a lot of folks watching. I realize it's the Cowboys and they got a massive fan base. But nevertheless, sports, if you want to make money, seems like that's the place to go. <laughs>
0: You know, for a long time, there was the thing, you know, how do you become uh, a—how does an NFL owner become a—or how does any pro sports owner become a millionaire? Well, you start with a billion dollars, you know, and the joke was you were going to lose. But as you watch people buy into multiple—and there are multiple owners buying into multiple teams, well, they must not all be losing money. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, if you want to buy one, you got a lot of money, and this is your grown-up sandbox. You know, some people buy a yacht, and you want to buy a team. Okay, and I think that was the mentality for a long time. But when you start seeing people acquiring the second, the third, the fourth, I mean, Stan Kroenke, who just moved the Rams from St. Louis to L.A., built a stadium, settled a lawsuit in St. Louis, also owns the the NBA and NHL teams, the Avalanche and the Nuggets in Denver and he also owns the Major League Soccer team in Colorado and he also owns Arsenal in the English Premier League I mean he's not buying all of those just to have a team and have fun he's, he's got it figured out
4: yeah is, is he the one who's married to the Walmart yep. yes yes he is wow
0: He's nice. got a pile of money, and she's got a pile of money, and together, that's an enormous pile of money.
4: But I don't think they're just doing it frivolously. I'm doing. I agree. Even though Agreed. they got right. a ton of money, they're doing it for a purpose. Right.
0: You might have one team because you love the sport and you love being an owner, and and it's you know it's doing what it does. But you you don't you don't go out and buy second, third, and fourth teams. I mean, in his case, what is that's at least five. He might yeah. have more. I don't know about, but those are the five I know about. So, all right. well we'll talk with uh, Ryan Smith why did he want to I mean he already took on the Jazz which is a big challenge in its own right why does he want to get in on uh, RSL and where does he see it going we'll talk with him coming up next DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone we're joined now by Ryan Smith majority owner of the Utah Jazz and he now has a minority stake in Ralph Salt Lake as well Ryan welcome to the show
12: what's up guys
0: how are you <laughs> well, you bought another team.
12: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this stuff works, but we end up. Uh, we uh, man, like the world's a crazy place because we originally started kind of down this road in sports with RSL, and and talking to Millers ended up, you know, going into the the Jazz. And it all came through RSL, and then a year later, you know, I'm talking with Blitz, and he's like, "Hey, this is a this is a good opportunity." And I'm a soccer guy. Let's go do this. We'd love to have you involved. And it, you know, I think the original thesis of RSL was right. It was just in the wrong order.
4: Yeah, for sure. We had you know we had heard of your interest in in this, so it didn't come as a surprise to us that you got involved. I'm wondering when you go the, into these ventures. How much research do you do before you absolutely say okay, yes, this is the right thing to do?
12: I mean, first of all, it's like I think that and and it's hard it's hard to understand this, but you know, sports is a long-term commitment, right? You know, these sports franchises, they're, you know, no one gets I mean, at least from on, on the ownership side, no one's getting a paycheck, right? And I think, I think there's probably a perception out there that these, these create a bunch of, you know, instant wealth or this or that. Um, it's really about the community. And if this MLS team was not in Utah, there would be no chance that we would have a, a part of it. And, you know, when we did the Jazz, I was super fortunate to put together a couple people who don't live in Utah who are all in on Utah. They love Utah. And it's pretty amazing that when we have an opportunity like this, you know, everyone on the jazz side basically unanimously was like, we're all in on soccer, even though there's probably two, two of them that will never go to a soccer game or be there and willing to commit because of the broader vision and the good they see in Utah. And that's, that's special. And that's what allow us to, to go in and do this. And so Um, You do a bunch of research. I mean, you got to be familiar with it, but, you know, both the jazz and RSL, like I'm a fan first, right? And so it's kind of a unique spot to be in. I'm also a sponsor first, which is also another unique spot to be in. And so I I think that it, it helps a lot
0: different owners probably handle it differently. Maybe different owners, the ones who own multiple teams, handle it differently with each club, I I would assume. But I'm curious how you parcel out your time. Uh, You're married. We all know relationships take time, effort, and energy. And you got kids. And if we raise kids, we know they take time, energy, and, and focus and all that. You got a company to run, you got a team to run, you got other things you're interested in. We've heard you on social and political issues. Like, how much time do you put into the jazz in an average week? And how much time do you think you're going to put into RSL in an average week? And how much of the research PK talks about was business and how much of the research was personal because you got all these other things to focus on too?
12: Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out. I mean, that has been a question that you're always trying to figure out how to balance, um, you know, and reinventing yourself. I think we all do that. Um, You know, and and I think first and foremost, no one's perfect, right? So I'm not perfect at all. And, um, you know, time allocation's hard because it creeps up on you. Like, you you say, hey, this is how much time I'm going to go put into something. And then you look at your calendar, And I used to run this exercise for like 10 years where it's like, where did I actually spend time versus where I thought I spent time? And then you're super surprised that, oh my word, I spent 20 hours this week on this and I wasn't planning on it. And we all, we all kind of do that. Um, when it comes to sports though, um, let's just break it down with like RSL first. So I hope in, in, I said this yesterday, it's like we are so incredibly fortunate as a state of Utah that David Blitzer planted his MLS flag here. Like, I cannot be more direct on that. There's only two soccer franchises in the world that have a portfolio like David does, and it's Man City, And it's what David's put together with six European teams, including Crystal Palace and Osberg and, um, you know, team in Belgium, team in Spain, and now Salt Lake. So so first, just, you know, someone where it's a natural fit for MLS saying, hey, look, I want to do it here. And then we're also maybe one of – we're, we're, we're one of a couple cities that has two professional sports franchises, mainly MLS and basketball. I make a of Portland and Orlando. But we're the only one where they're tied together now with one ownership. And that is also a massive advantage. David's team is going to operate soccer. So let's talk from a time standpoint. I'm here to help, um, regardless of ownership structure or anything else. It would be crazy to not um, want that group operating soccer, and you know I'm here to help the jazz I'm more involved with, and so I think that that's that's kind of how I think through it but you know um, you know the NBA has been a crazy place the last couple of years and you know but in both areas it's like we hire phenomenal people who. Would do a way better job than I would, and and try to empower them. And I think that you, you've seen that with the Jazz, with both Jay Z and Ainge coming in. Um, and then you know we're so incredibly blessed to have Quinn. Um, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty phenomenal organization, and so I just try to help where I can, and, and so you- try to not not mess it up.
4: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You say that. Because of the location of the, of Salt Lake city, you know, that was your interest in RSL. So it basically, it had to be in Salt Lake city. Did it have to be this owner also too, that you wanted to partner with? A hundred
12: percent. And that, that was, that was one of the reasons why, I mean, Blitz called me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. If you're in, I'm in. And, and that's really how it happened. And, and then we started talking and started getting much more exciting. Um, from, from that standpoint. Um, so it's, it, I think, I think it's a, it's a good move. I mean, this is in its short time. RSL is, has become a storied franchise and, um, there's a lot of respect around the league for what the, I mean, look, going to the Western conference playoffs this last year and, um, you know, winning a championship. It's, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting, um, and with the Academy and everything that they've done, um, I feel like I've been fortunate to, try to kind of take stewardship over two amazing franchises and, and try to take them to the next level, and and that's how sports works.
0: There are people in the organization who have seen synergy between these two teams for uh, for at least a decade. Now there have been people along the way who didn't see it all, and there was one meeting famously where I think some you know somebody got laughed out of the room for even suggesting it back when the team was worth. 10 or 15 percent of what it's worth now, uh, and I've heard all kinds of speculation about how good this can be for the business side of both these clubs and uh, the synergy, the amount of um, money and resources it could free up in selling sponsorships, selling tickets, food and beverage, uh, luxury, su- I mean, there's a whole list of stuff. How much of that stuff is overblown, and how much of that stuff do you see and, and see that as what you bring to the table?
12: Um, you know, it's a good question. I think that there's definitely massive synergy. You don't, I mean, anyone can sit there and think through the synergies. And first of all, let's just, let's not talk financial or business side. Let's just talk community side. Every jazz fan should be an RSL fan and vice versa, right? They both have different fan groups. You know, I, I, have gone around God, the last two years and, ask anyone anywhere like who's your NBA team they say no it's like I'm sending you a jazz shirt like you're ours (laughs) like will you you be a jazz fan (laughs) yeah right we have so many people that have relocated to Utah and it should be part of their welcome packet here's your jazz sticker here's your RSL sticker come on we're choosing your teams here it is and they love it they love being a part of something and so I think from a community standpoint um that's the first thing that gets me excited is hey, there's there's a little bit of different seasoning going on um it's it's a break RSL is not playing as many games um and I think I think there's been a little bit of a I don't know if it's a scarcity mentality but you know I'll just give you one touch point I mean we played on New Year's Day here against the Warriors and you know, I, I, we were pretty sold out. I mean, the place was electric. But that exact same time, we probably had 50,000 fans down at the Road Bowl, right? And, and if you just think where Utah's come, that's, that's pretty special. And so I think that there's a lot of synergies at being able to have these two organizations tied. And, I mean, the different organizations, we kept them completely independent, um, we do that on purpose. I think they'll both operate way better. Um, but you know, it's 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 not hard. I mean, from from jerseys and swag to you know food contracts and there, there's a lot there's a lot that can be done on the business side. And but but I'm much more excited about just the connection with the community and some of the things that are working well on both sides and, and just getting the community involved in sports because. In a world where, Kyle, it feels like everything's just dividing us, um, you know, especially during COVID and other things, like people can go watch sports and, and forget about life for a while. And we all can agree on something as a community. And that, that's why I'm doing this, um, truly is. I mean, I want to win and I'm super competitive. And, you know, there's nothing I want more than championships for Utah. And if I can help try to bring that then it's it's definitely worth it. But along the way we we've gotta get our community involved and I love where the jazz is going with that and how we're reaching out and um, you know, we started the Jazz Foundation, which is the one that's doing the scholarships and um, you know, the jazz have always had that spot in the community, so
4: I'm wondering for you, how much of a challenge is it to balance being an owner so you have to be fiscally responsible and all that type of stuff versus being a fan where you want the team to win and you may have connections to individuals that you may have to part with?
12: Um, Look, the NBA, for example, is, is a really unique spot right now. I would say over the last five years, the NBA looks very different than it's ever looked. You know, if you look at the ownership groups in the NBA, these these owners are not messing around. Um, if I look at the peer group out there, whether it's Palmer, it's Cuban, um, you know, I can just go group by group. Um, what you saw in Milwaukee, um, you know, it's not just a couple of ownership groups on um, Brooklyn with Josai; they're they're in it to win it, and. You know, you've got you've got two teams this year that are further over the salary cap than all, and then the luxury tax, than every team combined last year, which is crazy. Um, you know, with with Brooklyn and and you know the the Warriors, and so I think I think the ultimate goal is that we we really truly try to win and take this to the next level, and the Jazz are such a stable organization I mean um, and and we want that stability but it's also very very difficult to go from you know good to great right and you know a, a lot of the reason for um, you know I mean wanting to tap Danny is because he's an individual that's been able to do that and he's at a point in his career where there's not a lot of ego and he just wants to come in and help and he's here and um you know, you got one of the best basketball minds in the world who's had one of the most stable franchises and has more playoff wins than than anyone in the last fifteen years. And you know, how do we get from good to great? And and we're there and kinda never you never know. Like no one would have predicted what happened last year in the playoffs. And, you know, I like our guys, I like our spot and it's um we're pretty fortunate. Um, we pretty fortunate to be
0: a sports fan in Utah right now. Ryan Smith joining us, Jazz majority owner, and now he has a minority stake in Real Salt Lake as well. Uh, there were a lot of owners who took a big hit during COVID. Live events took a big hit. Do you feel like, and and you probably know more because I think the commissioners and the owners have access to a lot of information. Do you feel like that you're at the tail end of that right now? Do you feel like you're in the middle of it and financially you're still going to be battling this going forward? What do you what do you think?
12: Man, it's I feel like every time we feel like we're we're turning a corner, um, this happens and it's it's a hard year for hard couple of years for for just so many people and there's so much suffering that's been going on, but um you know, I think we're learning as a as a society to kind of try to work through this. And, you know, I, I I love the idea of having people together. I mean, when we came out, you know, there's – I mean, we see the backlash when we say, hey, you've got to be vaccinated, you've got to be tested in the arena, and COVID's over, and then here we are today, right, where we've got players who are testing positive – we're we're up in Toronto tonight where the entire city shut down and I'm just grateful for our fan base and our community for trying to do their part in keeping it open because, you know, we could very, very easily be in a spot where we don't have live events and that's just not good or sustainable for anyone. And so I think, um, you know, I appreciate Utah for, for kind of leaning in and, and trying to help get through it because it's, it's unprecedented. I mean, no one's been through this before and you know, it's hard and there's a lot that a lot of people don't understand. And so I think we're all just kind of leaning in together. And I think what Adam Silver just came out and did and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have to learn to play through this, whether it's 10 day contracts or whatever else, like the show's going to go on. Um, Whereas you know, and we were part of I mean, we shut down the world, not just the NBA, but the Utah Jazz. Like, that was the tipping point to say, hey, look, we're in we're in Oklahoma City, and, and um, everything kind of, oh, wow, this is serious. So we're taking a different approach, um, and, and fortunately, um, we've been able to do it, but health and safety are our first priority, and, and it's challenging, man. It, and it, it takes a toll on everyone. I mean – I would say the last two years in the NBA are, are equivalent to five years Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, coaching players like it's hard. It is hard. And, you know, the travel, not knowing who's playing, not knowing, you know, testing, landing in a city at two in the morning and instead of going to bed, it's, you know, wake up at six and test so you can get your test back. It's, it, it's a grind and it, and it truly has taken a toll on mental health and everything else. And so everyone's just trying to get through it.
4: I think the biggest surprise for me, Ryan is why aren't you in Maui with Tony?
5: <laughs> oh man. I, I,
12: you know, it's, uh, it's caddy. Mark's got to get back on the bag and get a little rhythm with him. Right. like, we want we want everyone to to feel good about where they stand, <laughs> but he uh, look, I hope uh, we had a good little run there, man. I mean, on Saturday <laughs> it, it, in, in uh, the Bahamas, like we we got it going. that course is just super tough. The wind started coming and Tony hit the ball so good. and you know, it was we had some serious warning track power that week. <laughs> where are we where where it was it was going and even on even on sunday on the weekend like we we had a good chance to do it but it was what an amazing experience there's not a better human than tony now um you know we played a lot of golf together i've i've been in tournament play next to him and you know he called me and was just like hey i need you and i was like all right uh, but i had no idea that we'd be racing into contention on saturday i was just trying to not lose clubs and I mean the first day I think I lost like two head covers and didn't break so I, I was just but it was it was super funny because the next day we we actually ended up playing with Patrick Reed and he's like how many strokes did Ryan cost you yesterday like man maybe one or two he's like oh great my caddy's normally four or five so I, I felt better and you know but it's it's crazy to be out there you, had, you basically had the Ryder Cup out there with the top 20 players in the world and and. Um, the top 20 caddies in the world and you know it's intimidating when you're sitting there and Bones is next to you and you're (laughs) trying to hey will you you grab the bunker or will you get yardage but but Tony keeps it so cool what you see is what you get he's probably one of the most chill humans in the world and that's why he's so good at golf like he just he can shake it off and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons there man I mean on Sunday we played with Scotty Scheffler who triple bogeyed the third hole and he's talking to me like nothing happened on the way over, and then he goes and rips off nine birdies in a row and takes second of the tournament. Wow. Nine birdies in the last 16, 15 holes. I'd never seen anything like it. And that's why attitude in sports is so important. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool.
0: Well, you took the Bahamas, but you gave up Maui, so I guess you got to split the uh, sp- split that stuff down the middle, right?
12: Hey, I just. I
0: just go when they need me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, Ryan, well, we know you got to go, so we got to let you go. I was going to say the press conference and uh, the media availability went uh, went really well yesterday. I know when the press conference is a temporary thing and then all the other stuff comes and you made a point about it's a multi-season commitment and journey and all that. The one thing I would add is when, uh, when David Blitzer said the goal is to win the MLS Cup, for a big chunk of the longtime RSL fan base – the 2011 loss in the uh, Champions League final at home is the moment they want back. And so you can tell, David, as much as everybody wants the MLS Cup, and they do, that moment to be the first MLS team to be the champion of the continent yeah. and to yeah, the yeah, credibility yeah. that comes with beating a team from Mexico. It's an intense rivalry, but everybody knows there's a lot of credibility to be had. If you were the first team to do that, you'll always be the first club to do that. So... I don't know if he knew that piece of history. I know he's living overseas for a while and all that, but for the people who are in that stadium, that one still stings.
12: Yeah, was that in the last? It happened in the last little bit, right?
0: They, yeah, in 2011, they'd gone yeah. down there and drew, and they only needed a scoreless tie here. They gave up a goal, and they almost scored at the end, which would have bailed it out. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just pouring salt in the wound with all the details, but
12: no, yeah, I, I mean I was. We, we sat down with Ramondo and Beckerman and those guys last night, and they were. We went through the a lot of the the ins and outs of kind of their favorite moments. And look, I think, I think uh, blitz, like, like I said, we're super lucky and we're, we're, we're kind of both just about the community and in it to, in it to make people proud. And, you know, sports are interesting. Like you can do everything you can and, and you win, or you win the championship, you can do everything you can. And it doesn't go that way. So, I think the one thing that that people can expect from us is that we're going to do everything we can, and you know you got to look at it a little bit over time. And but Blitz, Blitz is sitting there watching hockey because he's a he owns part of the Devils. While we're there, I mean he's all in. This guy loves sports, and so we're excited.
0: Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Keep good work. Ryan Smith, majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and now he's got a minority stake in RSL as well. DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. We'll come back with the Jazz update. Jazz shorthanded tonight. Ryan talked about that a little bit. And uh, our reaction to some of the things Ryan said. We will get to that next. DJ and PK at 97.5 at
11: 1280 The Zone.
5: This is Jake Scott and Ben
2: Anderson.
11: I really don't care what your net rating is. You know what I care about? Your wins and losses. It's the only stat that matters in basketball. And if you beat a team with a net rating of plus 0.01, but you win every game and your net rating is plus 0.01, it's better than going 50 and 32 and having a net rating of plus 50 because when you win, you blow teams out and when you lose, you lose by one point. Like the wins are what matters and that's what you've got to do. So looking at the jazz, looking at that type of thing, having more versatility, having different ways to win more games is more beneficial than blowing out the winds that you do win.
5: Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone powered by kslsports.com
0: DJ and PK, it's time for Hot Takes a Toast. Brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting, clean. Zero Res' patented process. uses only water to clean meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that's safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376 That's 801 801-288- 288 Zero or booking online at Lake.com, or if you're up north at ZeroResDavisWeber.com Well, PK, we have talked sports for so long that whenever anything happens, um, I've got stuff from you bouncing around my brain. So there were two moments yesterday talking to David Blitzer and Ryan Smith as they had uh, media availability uh, yesterday to announce the, uh, the transfer of ownership for RSL. One... And I, I really stumbled into both of these. You ready? One. Uh, I brought up the fact that, you know, you're, you're raised in Jersey, you own the, the, a share of the Devils, and you own a share of the Sixers, you know, going, going to the, both ends of Jersey there. And now you've gone overseas to Europe, and you've got multiple clubs in Europe. England, Spain, Germany, Belgium, and I'm leaving somebody out. And now you decide to go west. And he says, well, I don't really think of myself as from anywhere. I've lived everywhere. So he didn't really double down on Jersey the way so many people do. And I expect he lived overseas. He's lived in multiple countries, lived overseas, and he moved back to the U.S. about 10 years ago. Uh, From something the commissioner says, I gathered he lived in England for a long time. but. All the interviews these days are timed and cut off, so you have lots of questions when they end the session, and I still had lots of questions, so I didn't really get into all the places he's lived and all that. So I thought of you with the whole Jersey background, and that was his response, is he doesn't think of himself as being from anywhere. He skied in Utah for 45 years. He started coming here when he was 7, and he's 52, and he comes here pretty much every year.
4: Yeah, and there might have been a little bit of... uh economic difference between the way he grew up and the way I grew up. Yeah, but I, th-
0: I find a lot of, I, I totally get that, number one, and number two, but I find that there's a lot of Jersey pride. People who are from Jersey, you know, the rest of the, year, and certainly New York may laugh at New Jersey, but people from Jersey, they love Jersey and they'll claim Jersey. And maybe that was him wanting to make clear that he wasn't just a Jersey guy and wasn't uh, a total outsider coming into
4: Utah. I mean, that could be part of it, too well, yeah, I think they want to do that. Yeah. I'm part of you. Right. Everybody has an agenda. Yeah. See see, like you, when Ryan had to go and you went through that job interview with him a few minutes ago, (laughs) that was impressive. (laughs) You were going like way out there, soccer knowledge that 99% of our listeners got no clue, but you wanted to let him know, Hey, I'm your guy on the TV. I know this. So everyone's got an agenda. And that was impressive. Yak and I were applauding silently when you went through that. Very nice by you. You're welcome.
0: Yak's <laughs> laughing very hard right now. PK's on remote today, so you can't weird. see Yak laughing. <laughs> oh, Yach I is, a text I
4: got,
0: <laughs> Yak is, is shaking like a bowl full of
4: jelly. We can, we can communicate without being in the same room, and we can see each other. And that was impressive. I mean, you were like in Mexico, then you went down to the uh, then Guadalajara, then you shot over to Costa Rica and I did not I go mean, to Costa Rica. <laughs>
7: Havana
2: in that mix. It- <laughs> that was
4: impressive, man. You had I know you got to go, but let me tell you all I know about soccer. <laughs>
0: oh, that wasn't all I know about soccer.
4: <laughs> well, in a, in a 3-minute span it was, I mean, it was, it was nebulous and it, you know, had nothing to do with today, but that was, everyone's got an agenda.
0: It had to do with yesterday.
4: And if we, and I don't have any problem with that. You want to keep your gig doing the TV. So you wanted to impress him with your soccer knowledge. I think you did a hell of a job. You hit it out of the park. You, Tony had warning pack track power it, with the winds in Bahamas. No, you hit it out of Dodger stadium. You just joined Willie Stargell as the only guy to hit it out of the stadium. Did somebody impressive. else
0: just do that? Uh, I thought somebody just did that. Now I got to look that up. Go ahead. Carry on as you were.
4: <laughs> I'll look so, it yeah. up while you
0: go on this rant. You got a couple more minutes.
4: A, a rant? <laughs> rant is what we heard yesterday. Today is truth. <laughs> so, every yeah, sure. He wants to be here, he wants to be a part of the community. I, I, I really think it's a great time for what uh, Utah is about, you know, because it's exploding onto the scene. And this guy wants to come here. Now, the team was available. So, I mean, that played a large factor into it, but I get that. But, you know, the more cosmopolitan you can get, the more big time you can get, that's going to lead to more big time. And who's to say Ryan Smith obviously is a big time golfer, right? Well, if anybody could pull off a potential PGA Tour stop here, I mean, why limit yourself in what you can achieve? I say this all the time with these players like tonight. Let's look forward to these guys, because basically Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles were these guys tonight.
0: There was a time in their career where they were at exactly this point.
4: Yes, exactly.
0: You're a good basketball player, but prove you belong in the NBA. Both those guys absolutely heard that.
4: Yeah, and to an extent, I think Bogdanovich was an early second-round pick. Some of that might have been being foreign, and you know, if he would have come out today, would that be the same thing? Because there's, uh, we understand that basketball has really advanced across the world. You know, we're talking to Pace Mannion uh, last week, I think it was, and he was talking about where his son is playing over there in that league. That it's it's more physical, a lot of grabbing, a lot of holding. We think of more of a European guys as finesse. Well, pace is telling us no. That's not the case, right? And there's more, way more freedom of movement in the NBA than there is there. So the point being, you know, Bogdanovich probably would have been a higher draft pick. But even Gobert and Mitchell, to an extent, they they were first round picks, but they were not expected to be what they are. I don't think they were because if they were, they would have been drafted much higher. That stands to reason. So the, I don't want to ever put limits. On what somebody can achieve, and in this case, the point I'm making is why put limits on what we, as a community, can achieve with these people. And Orion is one of our own, so to speak. But Blitzer's coming in, and he has some experience uh, skiing here and whatnot. And and I'm sure you know that that's attracted to him. But if you can do this, you know where does it end? Well, I don't know where it ends and I don't want to put limits on where it ends. So even if you're not a soccer fan, it's not about being a soccer fan. And, and I put the question up. You didn't want to touch it uh, yesterday on Facebook. I put the question up and you always get the, the same folks who want to rip the sport. That's not the point this time around. I don't care whether you like soccer or not because he, Ryan Smith said to himself that he's got some investors involved and they may never go to a game. It's not about whether they like the sport or not. It's about what this is represents for the development of the community like the sport don't like the sport i don't care there's enough people who like it that it's only going to grow it's not going to go away at all it's only going to grow but this is a huge boon for the community and i think it sends a powerful message on where we as a community can go and from a sports perspective who knows because i also think too that this has residual effect down to the colleges too I mean, it it, it just it's broad based. Everybody in our community can benefit from this one way or another.
0: The question, how good is it that RSL has new owners, including jazz owner Ryan Smith? And to your point, uh, I thought they moved. I'm just not a soccer guy. Kyle says they're still playing. Eldon says what's an RSL? Jeff says. Uh, Robert says maybe you can put together a media package that'll be fan friendly. That feels like it's about to change. I can't guarantee you 100% what it's going to be like. The people who want streaming, um, and I'm talking about the companies, the companies want to do the streaming, want it exclusively, and there are some people who want to jump into that end of it in the sports world, but there are other people, well, the NFL would be the people who are dipping their toe in it. You know, the NFL puts Thursday night On Amazon, And the Fox stuff is going to go away going forward. But they've kept the vast majority of the league on free over-the-air TV. And when in doubt, and, you know, the Pac-12 is going to have to make this decision in a couple years how to handle things. The um, uh, RSL and the Jazz are are both going to have to do it. Um, RSL probably will do it as part of the league, whereas the Jazz might have a little more individual decision within the NBA and do their own thing. Uh, How you do that, what is fan-friendly, what drives the revenue and drives the cash, do you go for the most, for the fewest people who have a lot of money and you get a lot of cash that way, or do you do what the NFL does and go really broad-based and get a little money out of everybody and make a pile of cash that way? That'll be a really interesting decision for every one of these teams and organizations to make over the next five years.
4: And you can't tell me, with Blitzer being a a minority owner of the 76ers you can't tell me that somebody somewhere along the line, whether it's an agent, it's a parent, it's a player, whatever it might be, what's going on out there in Salt Lake and how he, he already has a little bit of experience, but he's going to get way more experience. There might be a recruit, a basketball recruit in Philadelphia or across the border in New Jersey or down in Delaware. And Hey, what do you know about this? You know, my kid is thinking about going out there. He gives it a glowing recommendation. I mean, the, the possibilities really are limitless as far as this goes. So when I heard this news and, and we all knew that Ryan Smith was going to be potentially involved, you know, we knew he was interested in buying an NBA team. And we had known even before the NBA thing broke that he might have some interest because he's got the wherewithal financially. So we certainly knew. So it was no surprise to hear that he was in but i didn't know much about blitzer so then you do your research on that when you hear the name and you go through and you listen to what he's got to say and you read up on him and you see all this accomplishment that i can't help but think that this is going to benefit our community in ways that we don't even know right now today we can't even imagine what it might be five ten years down the line that, that's the way i look at it so i thought from that perspective doesn't matter to me what you think of soccer at all. I thought it was huge news.
0: I think to Ryan's point when he was on with us that, you know, the Warrior game was sold out and there was a tremendous amount of energy in the arena and around the game and yet it's on the same day the 60,000 plus are in the Rose Bowl. And he was talking about scarcity mentality. If you didn't hear the interview with Ryan Smith, he was on earlier this hour and you can get it wherever you get podcasts. And, and you can listen, but he talked about scarcity mentality. And, and the thing is that Utah is not a mega market. You know, It's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not Chicago. But it's not a small market anyway. You know, anymore. It's, it's a medium-sized market, and we need to think like that, and maybe more things are possible than people would have ever visualized 20 or 40 or 60 years ago, however many generations you want to go back. But it's in a different spot now. And to the point that Ryan made, that you're kind of underlining here, PK, is that as more people get involved, what do they see? What do they bring to the table? And what does that make possible? And we can't keep talking about stuff the way we talked about 30 years ago. The Jazz might leave. Well, there was a time when they were pretty close to going to Minnesota, and it could have it could have happened, but it didn't. You know, and Larry stepped in, and we know where the story went. And there are still people commenting on here about ah oh, the team moving. Man, the money Deloitte spent on that academy down there, they're not moving. They want 20 more of those. They got one. They don't even have a second one like that. They're not walking away from that. The stadium, the academy, the local ownership, and now you mix in a guy who owns multiple sports teams and multiple leagues, multiple everything. I mean, he's across the board, basketball, hockey, soccer, multiple continents. So what's possible going forward? It's different than what was possible five years ago.
4: Yeah, I think basically you name it and it's possible, some more possible than others. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, well, just limited it to, well, I want an NFL team. I want an NHL team. I want an uh, MLB team. It, and, and those are the obvious choices uh, out there. But I think that it can go well beyond that because you just go back 10 years and Vegas was thought of as just no way anybody's touching that. It was a minor league yeah. outpost. It was a now minor... it's hot as can be. Yeah.
0: NHL first, the NFL, and then you got baseball and basketball. Looking at it, for sure. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and twelve eighty. The zone. We got another round. Of uh, questions of the day because PK's just slapping them up there one after another. The jazz are in a very different spot, and we will get to that coming up. DJ and PK, the shorthanded jazz in Toronto. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is unrighteous. Guys are doing a hell of a job.
10: I just believe it can't be status quo for Utah. Because if it's status quo, USC, Oregon are gonna go, they're gonna blow by Utah in the next couple of years. Utah's got to get bold. they got to get creative. they got to get outside the box. They've got to get some big-time recruits. Bigger than what they've been getting.
5: That is unbelievable! Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL This
0: week's Raiders game against the Chargers is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits. Now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash... Right is. All right, we got multiple questions of the day going. Joe Ingles and the entire starting five minus Royce O'Neill are out for the Toronto game. What do you think about them apples? <laughs> going for movie lines there or just uh, general cliches? Oh, just throwing it out there. Okay. Matt Damon. How about them apples? Throwing the... Uh, Throwing the phone number up against the window. Great movie line. Nate says we lose firepower. Oh, geez. <laughs> I know. Double O's. <laughs> we lose firepower, but we get to see what Spell our bench check and is two your way. Friend.
2: You what? Spell check, check is your friend. Yeah, right.
0: We lose firepower, but we get to see what our bench and two way players might be able or not able to do with some serious minutes. We'll be intriguing to see if somebody shines. One NBA skill. That's what you need out of a bench guy. What do you do? You brought up Doak earlier, rebounding, because that's the obvious one to go, with, go to with him. Uh, you know, somebody else could be shooting with Royce O'Neill, you know, the ability to D somebody up, stay in front of them. Whatever it is, can you bring one elite skill to the table?
4: I think it was Locke who said this on our show years ago or maybe when he was doing his own show every NBA game, somebody's going to get points, somebody's going to get rebounds, right? Mm -hmm. In the losing teams, if you win only 20 games, you're still going to have a leading scorer that's going to have close to 20 points. So, there's going to be some talent out on that floor and somebody's going to score, somebody's going to rebound, somebody's going to assist, You know, unless it's some abysmal game in which they score 54 points or something. And even then, we'll remember this. That's the thing that I love on this game about multiple reasons, is that When we get to May, when playoffs are rolling, we're going to remember this game. Whereas if they went up there and lost with the usual cast of characters or won, unless somebody did something outrageous, you know, Mitchell went for 65 or something, there's no way we would remember this game. Now we're going to remember it. This game, (laughs) in a weird way, has a sense of anticipation that I am going to enjoy. Because these guys who take the floor tonight, they're me. This is who I was. I don't think it's who I am now, but this is who I was. I was a nobody trying to make it. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. And to an extent, there was a time you were a nobody who was trying to make it. Unless you're, you know, LeBron and you're anointed from the time you're 12 or you've got a dad in the business or what have you. To a large degree, all of us at some point are nobodies trying to make it. So, I don't want to make it sound like I'm out there myself. It's like, you know, all the odds were against me. But nevertheless, I can see myself in these guys. And I don't know if any of them can be a rotational player. Trent Forrest has had basically some opportunities here and there. But let's see what you got, man. Go out there and show them. Because there's a world out there that's going to doubt you every step of the way for whatever reason. And now you've got this opportunity. So, from that perspective, some random regular season game really has my interest tonight to where, of course, I'm going to watch it. And I want to see this is and I don't want to build it up like this is a make or break all or nothing opportunity. But nevertheless, this is an opportunity. And and the great coaches in our community, and we've had a number of them over the years, they stay with you the stuff that they say, right? We can quote them, even the ones who are no longer living. And I'm talking about Jerry Sloan. You know, there's 29 other teams out there, whatever it was. We've heard him say that so many times. And these guys got livings on the line here. And you do something tonight, and it could stick with somebody. If it's not the Jazz, who knows where it is? So this is a great opportunity, and I'm actually excited about this game.
0: Tony's right there with you. Next man up. Let's see what these youngsters are made of. My guess is they all think they should be getting more time. It's time to put up. I bet yeah. they do think that. I bet they do think I could do this if I was given a chance. Now, it will be a different kind of chance because you won't be out there with three or four other starters or, you know, high-end role players. You know, you're not going to be out there, you know. Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles draws the whole defense to him because they all fear those two shooting the three, and you're in the bench group with those guys, and they get you an open shot. You know, it's, it's going to be a little tougher here tonight because you're not going to have the uh, what's the word that Yak or the Yach, that Yak uh, that Locke always uses? Uh, gravity. They're not going to have the gravity, you know, that pulls the defense to their side of the floor. But that just means it looks even more impressive when you get it done.
4: Well, I can tell you personally, I've lost gravity a long time ago. You lost gravity? Uh, yeah. Uh, when did my upper torso become my lower torso? <laughs> <laughs> right? And for women, it's other areas. <laughs> for guys, that's where it settles, right? <laughs> so gravity uh, is not your friend as you get older. But these guys, as I said earlier, these guys were Joe Ingalls. These guys were... Royce O'Neill. in fact, you look at some of these guys right now, Joe Ingles was not in the NBA at their age. He didn't get to the league until he was 27 years old. That's way late in the game. I mean, not even a cup of coffee, a 10-day contract here or there. You know what I mean? Like a Sunday out of games. No, nothing. He didn't get there until he was 27 and it was a unique set of circumstances that he got there. You know, I talk about, I just said in the last segment, you never know how something is going to turn out. Well, wasn't it with the Joe Ingalls, Quinn Snyder had saw him, had seen him somewhere in Europe. Europe, Yeah. Yeah. And who knew that, that years later, that little interaction, whatever it was, to what level, I'm not even sure that, Oh, or they just cut him. Well, yeah, let's bring him aboard. And you know, if they were a team that was in the mix, Maybe he doesn't get that shot, but because Quinn Snyder would have gone to a team that was ready-made to win, sort of like maybe Steve Kerr did. Maybe they don't even take a look at Joe, but because the Jazz were in a full rebuilding mode, yeah, let's take a look at this guy and look where it is eight years later, right? So these guys, in some of our cases, are in a better situation than Joe was at the same age. So who's to say? It's improbable, but really... Just the fact that they're in the NBA is improbable. Everything is improbable when you look at it, right? It's isn't it improbable that you and I are sitting in Salt Lake City doing a radio show together for twenty years? That's improbable. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's improbable on multiple levels. Right. That I got here, that you got here, that we did radio together, that it's lasted this long. Yeah, there's multiple yeah. things that you would bet against if you were just, you know, sitting around talking and 198090 whatever
4: Right. It's incredible when you think about it. We've gone through multiple ownership changes. We've gone through so many supervisors that we can't even take. We couldn't even remember them all. We'd have to write them down. The two of us get together and we'd still probably miss a couple. But yet here we are, man, and we're still going. That is highly improbable. So, so much of life when you look at it is highly improbable. I realize right now I'm building this game up to be the biggest game ever. (laughs) But it's my level. Once I saw these guys in that that list this list this is a first in the history of the jazz isn't it
0: i can't remember anything like this and i don't i don't have the whole history of the jazz i mean the whole 80s a couple of years in the 90s i would have known ladies early 90s the jazz were on the map after that jazz laker series i i would know if something like this happened
4: Yeah, but just go look at the—you can just call a basketball reference in the 80s. GP, games played. Mark Eaton, 82. (laughs) Thurl Bailey, 82. 82. The statues, 82.
0: So it had to happen in the (laughs) first—it either had to happen in New Orleans or it had to have happened in the first four or five years in Utah. Because they were on the map. Jessica says, well, let's see what the others can do. Maybe it's a test to see who they want to keep from the bench before the trade deadline. Quinn's not wasting anything. This is 48 minutes of NBA basketball. Let's let's see who can do what, who can show flashes of doing something.
4: Oh, yeah, Quinn is paid to win games, not to make excuses for why they can't, and he's not going to make any excuses. And he's not going to waste just sit
0: there for 48 minutes and no. waste it either.
4: <laughs> And, and it's not so much too exclusively, well, let's see who could possibly help us down the line. Maybe you can trade them, and maybe you can get a second-round pick that you, th- you cash yeah. into with Bogdanovich was a second-round pick. There's plenty of second-round picks out there who've made the league and have made their mark in the league. So you never know where these things can go and where they can lead. So this is an opportunity that I find myself – in a, I just soon have the regular guys there no, no, don't get me wrong I'm not saying that but in a sense I find more intrigue into this game and plus I wanted him to go 17 and three and since they're probably going to lose I still get to claim 17 and three that's what's great about it also
0: you're gonna hang an asterisk on this one no matter what
4: well how can you how can you penalize me for it?
0: It's not the team, right?
4: I would have said 16-3 and three if I would have known all these guys were out. We all would have.
0: <laughs> all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. we got more of you weighing in on this. We will get to that next. Stay with us. The Jazz, shorthanded. Very shorthanded. Your reaction coming up, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day. Joe Ingles and the entire starting five minus Royce O'Neal are out for the Toronto game. What do you think about them apples? The most shorthanded of shorthanded Jazz teams. Dirk says it's too risky to take all those guys outside of the United States with all the COVID testing requirements to return to the United States. Smart move. With the current COVID outbreak within the team, the last thing the Jazz want is a bunch of their players not being able to return to the U.S. Agreed Agreed, Dirk And they got to play in Indiana the next night And Conley hasn't been been playing back-to-backs anyway And they're down Joe And they're down Rudy Off the COVID protocols
4: So why not I look at this as sort of a spring break You know, spring break will be coming up And it'll be midway through the spring semester Basically, if you're on the two-semester system And so here we are this week Is the midway point So this is spring break
0: For a day And then they play the Pacers Saturday.
4: Well, for some of them, it's longer than that. It is.
0: Brady, we will see how deep they really are. We know how deep they are 1 through 9. What if the Jazz got 10 through 15? And two-way players and 10-day signings and whoever else, emergency signings that they cobble together.
4: Well, they're not deep 10 through 15. I can guarantee you that because no team in the history has been deep 10 through 15. I mean, come on. One through nine is actually pretty good to have nine players you can count on in a postseason game to perform. That, that's very good. It'll be interesting to see what Quinn Snyder does to rotations once we get to the postseason. He may even shorten it up. But, you know, I don't think you're looking for depth in this situation. You're just looking for a player or two, a skill or two that might be marketable that you can use. That's the way I look at this.
0: I honestly think, Anthony posts this, I honestly think they're fine taking the L here. Holding Don Conley and Boyan out should improve our chances of winning the next night. Plus, it'll give the Jazz a chance to see all these young guys in a real game.
4: Well, they're fine taking just about any L in the regular season, are they not? Why would this game be any different?
0: Here comes the best tweet. Greg, you guys are hyping this game like it's a 1980 U.S. hockey team. The only question is, who plays Quinn in the movie? Excellent question, Greg. I'm glad you brought that up. Who plays Quinn in the movie?
4: Himself. <laughs> well, what if they don't make the movie for 30 years? Oh, well, then it's, he's going to probably be dead. What difference does it make? 30 years? That's way too long. That's not the world we live in. you got to wait 30 years to make a movie? Then if, it, if we're going to wait 30 years, then it might be somebody who isn't even born, or somebody who's three or four years old, so he wouldn't have any idea. My neighbor's kid, he's two. He's got a ton of personality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, he just retweeted. Excellent question. Nominees, please go to Twitter. Go to David DJ James. We need the nominees to play Quinn in the movie. If, I, I feel like I should know the answer to this. It feels like the right answer is out there, and I don't quite have it. There's got to be an actor who's right for that role. Yeah,
4: but there might be some obscure guy. Right. We see this in stories that come out uh, that, you know, like somebody gets to be president or whatever. And then all of a sudden you find some lookalike dude and you didn't even know he existed. Right. So I don't know that. Is it a mainstream dude? Who knows? Uh, But is there somebody else out there?
0: Well, we'll we'll throw it out there. And uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Freddie Mercury. Now you think that's gonna be uh that's gonna be tough to cast. But they got it right. Rami Malik. Yeah. He did well with that. You ever seen that thing on YouTube with the movie side by side with the actual uh live aid performance? Recreated moment by moment, move for move. Nailed it. Kurt Russell handled uh Herb Brooks in uh in Miracle, which did take 30 years to make that movie. He was pretty famous. He had a pretty big para- career by the time he he did that role.
4: Oh, for sure, yeah. You know, Kurt, uh, uh, who was it? Kurt Russell? Yeah. I th- I th- he played minor league ball. I think he might have advanced as far as AAA. Oh, really? I know he played minor league ball. Yeah, I'm not sure how far he advanced. I mean, you could look it up, take a second. But yeah, he was a... He was a pretty, obviously, good baseball player.
0: Well, maybe that's why he had the authenticity in the locker room delivering uh, some of those speeches. He got it. He'd been in the middle of it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I know he was a ball player. Switch hitting
0: second baseman for the Angels minor league. He played for the Bend Rainbows, the Walla Walla Islanders, and the El Paso Sun Kings of the Texas League. So he made it to Double A.
4: Looks like Double A is that what it yeah. was? Well, obviously you got to be pretty good to make it to Double A.
0: Torres' rotator cuff in a collision at second base.
4: Ouch! Yeah, right. <laughs> Turn of the pivot. <laughs> oh, I know guys who played Double A, and I can tell you they were they were outstanding college players.
0: All right, hit us up on Twitter. Who's going to play Quinn in the movie? That's Mickey Rourke, circa 1990.
4: <laughs> yeah, time travel. Oh, well, if we're having fun, why not?
0: Uh, Cillian Murphy? Should I know? Th- should I know who that is? Not bad. Got the physical resemblance a little bit.
2: Ah, the guy who played Scarecrow in the Batman series. Oh, okay. Is that it? Yeah. All right.
0: Uh, James Spader? James Spader is getting a shout-out. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is getting a shout-out. <laughs> We've got people who are sending us side-by-side images. Oh, this is hilarious. Excellent. I'm going to retweet some of these. You can, uh, you can go in and, and enjoy them. Good work, people. Good work. All right, keep them coming. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Jazz and the Pacers on Saturday. The, uh, the race we had David Locke on earlier, and he was talking about the race for the top spot is tightened up. Can you buy into that, though, after they had the top spot last year and it didn't work out? Or you're willing to double down? If you keep getting the top spot, at some point you're going to kick the door in. I don't know basketball. That, that
4: that top spot correlates to getting to the NBA Finals, but it, it, it's like home court, which obviously that's what it gives you. But when you go in a series, all it does is guarantee you four games at home. If it goes seven, it doesn't guarantee you that you're going to win any of those games. But nevertheless, you want it, right? You want to have... As many advantages as you possibly can. So, yeah, why wouldn't you want to f- be number one? And I think this year, uh, I, I, I'm trying to. I'm going to contradict myself. You are. I was gonna,
0: are you going to go Grizzlies and how good they are and how difficult they'll be?
4: Two things, and that's one of them is that the. I think that uh, you look at Memphis, you look at the possibility of Golden State. I think Phoenix is better. And there's teams down below that, you know, we don't know what's going on because of their injury situation. The Lakers to me, until I see them lose their fourth game are still dangerous. And I was so I was going to say with an 82 game, maybe you can argue that it's more legitimate because they got number one at a 72 game. And if it had gone 82, maybe they don't get it. Maybe they drop down to three. Uh, but at the same time with so many guys having to sit out and enter the protocol and this or that, that who knows if it's as legitimate? Just because you're playing ten more games. I mean, we were laughing about Steph Curry going to torch the next opponent because he struggled against the Mavericks, and the game well, he night did, off. He didn't even play, nope. and neither did Draymond Green. Right? So they lose to the Pelicans. So obviously, they don't care. Uh, about any individual game. They
0: care more about getting Steph healthy. He's got a quad issue, and it's hard to shoot without your legs under you. And so if the 5 for 24 is partly he doesn't feel good, well, then give him time off until he feels good. He's Steph Curry. (laughs) Get him healthy.
4: So I don't know what it means, but nevertheless, I think that I would rather have it than not have it. But at the same time, that puts a target on you. If you go out two years in a row in the second round with the number 1 seed, you're starting to build a rep there. That is, uh, you don't is want not something. You don't. Yeah. You just. Yeah, obviously you don't want. So I don't. I don't know what it means, man. All I know is when the postseason starts, the first team to sixteen wins it all. Well,
0: Locke's point earlier this morning was that the one seed. We can look at the second round and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are playing well, so let's not sleep on the Grizzlies. They are playing well. They are winning a bunch of games, and they have separated from everybody. Uh, you know, five through eight. They've pulled away from those teams. So maybe they wouldn't be that easy a second-round matchup because it's easy to say, oh, you want to miss the Suns and the Warriors in the second round. Let them beat each other up. You take the quote-unquote easy matchup. Maybe the Grizzlies won't be that easy a matchup. Locke's point was even looking at the first round. The teams 5-8 through right now aren't good right now, but lots of them have injuries. If any of them get healthy, they could be very good by the time you get to the playoffs. Now, they also may have separated themselves, put themselves into the 5-6 or seed. So Locke's point was get up high, because out of those four teams that are struggling, some of them still won't be healthy, and they will still be struggling and give yourself the easier first-round matchup. As opposed to, hey, the Lakers are healthy and have got it together and playing well, and they're the six and you're the three, so good luck with them in the first round. And if you win, then you get the
4: sons of the Warriors. Okay, so what difference does it make? So if you go out in the second round, is that any better? I suppose it's a little better. but It's it's a little better,
0: but since the Jazz just did that last year as the one seed beating Memphis, who was the nine, who played their way into the eight and then got into the playoffs, I mean, did it feel that great going out in the second round? Again, it's an advantage, so you want to have it, but it doesn't mean you're going to win the championship, and it didn't mean that last year.
4: I think that if you believe and are mentally tough enough to get the job done, then you don't care who you play. You feel like you are – going to be where you're supposed to be. I would, to me, I've been harping on this all season. It's about the jazz. It's not about the opponent. And I lock worries about this stuff and I get it. He's far more invested than both of us. You can take our investment into the jazz winning and times it by 500 million and we'll come up short because he's there. He knows the guys. This is his organization. It's his team for us. It's a team we cover. It's a big difference. Uh,
0: we don't spend as much time with him. I mean, he was on the road with him for years.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To know him. Right. So, I mean, I want him to win, sure. But if they lose, I'm going to get up the next day and all right, now we transition. We talk jazz for a little bit and we transition to football and the draft. And we've been doing this for so long, that's the way it works. Draft, right? free agency. Yeah. But Look if they ahead. win, I mean, certainly. <laughs> Parade. We them, yeah, we want them to win because, you know, the longer, is uh, just like the Utes. You know, the Rose yeah. Bowl was the story. We want stories. That was
0: that uh, was, that was was awesome. Yach just told me stuff the other day, PK. The number of people, the Ute fans, who felt somehow we slided them, which I'm not exactly clear on. Uh, but nonetheless, there were plenty of people tweeting at us. And, you know, we slided them and bleep off and all this stuff. And then Yack. Looks up the downloads. Nobody's listening to you guys anymore. Actually, just set another record. We didn't set a record because we suddenly got better at radio and podcasting. We set a record because he we just went to the Rose Bowl.
4: Yeah, so we certainly want the Jazz to do it. Win, but I mean, baby! And and it, it hurts for fans when they lose. I get that. I understand all that. Uh, so you come up with ways like... You know, try to lower expectations. Like Toronto's the toughest matchup for these Jazz guys in the history of the NBA. He sold that
0: so hard, I will admit, that mentally he broke me down and I clicked on the Sandys. Did Toronto get hot and I missed it? Are they 10 games over 500? No. No, they're two over. They were right where I thought they were.
4: But establish a lower barometer and that if yeah. they play tough, oh man, they, these guys did well. I, I understand all that. Uh, but I want them to win. But if they don't win, I mean, I'm just going to move on, but I definitely want him to win because it's fun, and I, and I, plus I got so many neighbors who are into it, and I want to see. I mean, I had so many friends that I've acquired since I've lived here who were at the Rose Bowl. Jake Scott is a bad dude. He wants all his friends' teams to lose. I don't. I want him to win. You know, because I want him to have fun. I want him to be happy. I don't want him to be sad. So I want him to win. I did. I wanted the Utes to win because I literally knew people in the stands, uh, dozens of them, and at least they had a good time. That's what matters the most. They had a great time, and it was a phenomenal ball game. So you can run with it, even in losing. And it's funny. That's where I took vindication. I've been saying that for years. Did you have a good time? Don't let the final score necessarily. Now, if they were playing for uh, an opportunity to win, then you you wouldn't win the national title off the Rose Bowl anymore. But Back in the day, that was a distinct possibility. You know, if you lose in the playoff, if you're Georgia and you lose Monday night, if I'm their fan base, I get it, man. You'd be really down because you're – you, Houston didn't really lose anything by losing that game, the way I look at it. They they lost the Rose Bowl, but that's it. There's no – they didn't – maybe they lost a couple of places in the standings. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then and that's just a popularity vote contest. And what's the difference? You get, is there any difference between somebody votes you 11 and somebody votes you 14? I and mean, come on, it doesn't really mean anything there. It has no tangible effect on your program. But with the Jazz here, win as many games as you can to see where it goes from there. Because even if they don't get it, it's like it's not the end of the world either way. If they get the second or third seed, Is that a death sentence? I don't think it's even close. How are they playing? What's their team looking like when we get there? Who's healthy? Because I, I believe at that point in the West, unless Clay Thompson comes back and just, wow, they just really just go crazy. And maybe that's a possibility, but I believe they're right there. And then see what happens. And that's the fun part of it. Your team is in the mix and it's going to be in the mix. Probably not going to do it because only one team advances from the West, right? But I like their chances as well as anybody's.
0: Hey, earlier you mentioned Willie Stargell hitting the ball out of Dodger Stadium. I said someone else has done it, and neither one of us could remember who. It was Fernando Tatis Jr. How did we blank on that? How did I blank on that? FT2? FT2. Out! That was just this season? In an 8-3 loss, September 30, 2021. Well, that's the data. It, it might have been on the 29th. I don't know if this story was posted the morning after. I've checked that. But yeah, just this past season. All right, DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. Everything else you missed in this show, what Ryan Smith had to say when he was on, more what David Locke had to say when he was on, and the Jazz shorthand in Toronto. will get you all up to speed. Everything you missed. A big weekend in the NFL. Here it is, the final weekend. A couple playoff spots to be locked down. We'll tell you what's at stake next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone.
5: This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson.
11: I really don't care what your net rating is. You know what I care about? Your wins and losses. It's the only stat that matters in basketball. And if you beat a team with a net rating of plus 0.01, but you win every game and your net rating is plus 0.01, it's better than going 50 and 32 and having a net rating of plus 50 because when you win, you blow teams out. And when you lose, you lose by one point. Like the wins are what matters. And that's what you've got to do. So looking at the jazz, looking at that type of thing, having more versatility, having different ways to win more games is more beneficial than blowing blowing out the winds that you do win.
5: Hear Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com.
0: 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. All right, PK, we covered a lot of ground in the show. We had Ryan Smith on. We don't get to interview him a lot, but we got a segment with him today. The Jazz majority owner, now a minority owner of Real Salt Lake. He covered a lot of, uh, a lot of ground in about 20 minutes, and you can listen to it wherever you get podcasts. You can, find, uh, you can find that. It'll be the third hour of the show, or you can find the Ryan Smith interview. Takeaway. Your biggest uh, takeaway or two from that interview.
4: He sees a bright future for our community and the growth that it's going undergoing is pointed in the right direction that can benefit a lot of different ways and stuff that isn't even something that we know that we can really put our hands around and say, well, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. This is going to be a direct result of what he's doing in the sports ownership. I love the fact that he said that he was a fan first. And we've known that, so it's not like it's new information. Because if you're a fan, what's the number 1 thing you want your team to do? Win. Yeah. Right?
0: So you don't want someone who's out of town, who's checking the bottom line and decides that winning is making more money than the other owners. You get You get executives from sports teams around. And in private moments, they'll they'll identify teams and leagues that do that. And you could probably identify teams and leagues that do that. There's so much salary information out there. You can see who's 500 or worse over a long period of time. And then who decides at some point, I'm a fan. we got a pretty good group. Let's go for it.
4: Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like uh, he's in dire straits by any situation. All
0: these teams are escalating but, in value. But so,
4: Jerry Sloan used to say that, you get paid on the 1st and 15th. And then he said, I don't draw a check. I don't get paid for this. Really? I, I, no one, there's no direct deposit that people put money in my account twice a month. So that's an interesting way to look at it. Now, obviously, he's going to benefit financially, but at the same time, does he really need to benefit financially when you've got billions? <laughs>
0: I don't. Need. Okay, but at the same time, are there owners who have a line for profit on the budget? I believe the answer to that is yes. I've been told the answer to that is yes. I don't get to see budgets. I can't verify that with my own eyes. But people who have say there is a line and it says profit. So essentially, they are paying themselves. Uh, now he may not choose to do it that way. You know how you how you do your books and how you set up your own your company. That's your own thing.
4: Yeah, they are paying themselves, but not twice monthly. You know, whether it's what the NBA season is on the fiscal calendar, right? So I guess you could look at it that way. And obviously it's not about losing millions. That's something that's just a ridiculous investment, but that's not where you're at. So I think that I'd rather have somebody like this than somebody who has no clue what they're doing and does everything on the cheap. And all that stuff. And we've been in their facilities. We've talked to guys. We've seen what they've done with that media room in the practice facility, you know, where Jerry Sloan sat there and they had a press conference announcing his retirement. Well, that room doesn't exist anymore. That's a player's lounge. Yep. And that's where they're taken care of. And Joe Ingles has spoken about this at length um, and, he, and he sort of alluded to it in his last interview, and he didn't come on this week. My guess is they told him not to because of the COVID situation. This is really like the only time in eight years he's blown us off, but it's extenuating circumstances. So I get it. I've got no problem with it. But he alluded, just go back and listen to what he said last week about how they take care of you in ways that we don't even know. And we're somewhat close. We're, we're closer to, than the average fan as far as being able to understand some stuff. But there's still plenty of stuff that we don't even know. And so, I think having local ownership who's invested and who wants to win, I don't see how, anything but, how that's anything but an extreme positive.
0: You want to hear the part of the interview where uh, Joe says, I don't know because this is the only NBA team I've played for. You know, so I don't live the day in and day out existence in other organizations. He says, but I have teammates who come in from other organizations and I know what they say.
4: Yeah, and they're all blown got an away agent.
0: like mm, this is good. And he's got an agent who's got other guys experiences.
4: Yeah. Right. So he can you don't necessarily have to experience to it firsthand. firsthand to know what's out there.
0: So where will this go with uh, another and, – and actually with something Ryan said and then you built on it when we did the segment right after the interview. You know, what are the connections? What do they lead to? You get 5, 10, 20 years down the line, you look back, it's obvious. But it's not obvious as you sit here today. But an owner who has skied here for 45 years and he decides to invest here in David Blitzer who grew up in Jersey but has been skiing in Utah since he was 7, he said. He decides to invest here. He owns teams now in multiple leagues. He's in hockey, basketball, and soccer. But there's also stories out there, and you can Google search. You can find him a couple months ago. There are a bunch of stories out of Cleveland of him trying to uh, buy a minority stake in the Indians, who are now the Guardians. And so in baseball, for all the people who want MLB to move here, wouldn't it be odd for all the, all the back-and-forth soccer and baseball fans have done about whose sport is more boring and why you should follow them and not the other guy? If that was a connection at some point, and he's like, he's talking to the owner like, well, you should really take a look at that place. I don't know what you think you know, but I'm out there now. You should take a look at that place. It'd be weird if that's how that plays out 5, 10, 15 years down the line.
4: Sure, but don't ever under any circumstances say boring associated with baseball. If you want me to have a, <laughs> if you want me to have a twenty-first year, don't don't do it. Connections and relationships matter. I've told this story that uh, the Cougars were trying to work out a deal with Michigan State in basketball, and Tom Homo was able to tap into his relationship with uh, what's the football coach that is Izzo's Steve best friend, Steve Mariucci. Mariucci, yeah, Niners head coach. Those two grew up together, Izzo and Mariucci, and Tom worked for Mariucci, I believe, at Cal, and obviously their paths crossed in the Bay Area. So Tom was able to tap into Mariucci to get to Izzo, and then they had a series where the Spartans came out and played at the then Delta Center, and then the Cougars went back and played at the Palace. right? And that was sort of an indirect relationship, but they tapped into that. And it worked. Obviously, they had a nice series there. And it was fun, too. I went back to Detroit and covered that game in the Palace, which is actually uh, it's in Auburn Hills, about 45 miles away. So you never know what one thing can lead to another. You, ju- you just don't. You just don't. I tell the story that um, I really wanted in sports radio. I mean, I really, really, really wanted to do it. It was a burning desire. And so... Gordon got in first, right? Well, I buddied up to Gordon, and then you got in. I would go to jazz games, and we would sit in a press row, and I would arrange my chair to be sitting next to you so we could talk, so you could get to know me. And Locke went out on the road with the Utes on uh, NCAA tournament stuff, and a bunch of media folks would go out to eat. I purposely would make sure I sat right next to Locke. This is no joke here. This was planned years in advance. And I would – oh, I can remember being in Minnesota, and I knew the Utes were going to lose because oh, yeah. that Kentucky team was lo- just locked and Loaded. Lot Mark Pope was on that team, if I remember correctly. In fact, I know he was. And I thought, OK, this is going to be my last chance to be around Locke. I, that whole night during dinner, I brought out my best material. <laughs> and- <laughs> Showtime! <laughs> yeah, this was, I mean, I was dropping one-liners left and right. So, you just don't know, man, what's going to develop in relationships or where it's at. And that's how things get done. That's why I was ecstatic when I saw all this news yesterday Uh, And I knew Ryan Smith would likely be involved. That was somewhat of a given. But to have this dude from back east with all these connections, that's absolutely awesome.
0: All right, other stuff we've talked about this morning. The NFL season, this is it. Final Sunday, who's in the playoffs, who's out. A lot of the spots are locked up, but a lot of the seeds and the matchups are still hanging in the balance. And there are some spots up for grabs. In the NFC, the Niners are sitting in the playoff spot now. But the Saints are loitering a game behind them. And while the Saints are going to Atlanta on paper, W, the Niners have to play the Rams. Uh-oh. And the game's in LA. On paper, and L, that would put the Saints in. The Niners are in either with a win or a Saints loss, but that could break the Saints' way right there. Taysom Hill, ninth NFL start, biggest start of his NFL career, PK, highest stakes.
4: Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's sort of been a little bit of a substitution relief uh, until this year, and now you've got this big – you want to make a name for yourself? Because Winston beat you out and was playing pretty well and then got hurt. And so you want to make a name for yourself? You want to be an NFL starting quarterback? Well, there's so many teams every year that need NFL starting quarterbacks. I mean, it's a constant merry-go-round. If you got one, you know, you thank your lucky stars. that Cincinnati fell into Joe Burrow. But the rest of the – so many of the teams need them.
0: We were talking about this uh, earlier. This was probably three or four weeks ago, and I thought, uh, and we were talking about Taysom Hill starting quarterback, not starting quarterback. It was after the game he lost, he melted down against the Cowboys and had a bunch of turnovers. That's one of his two losses in the eight starts. But what he's really shown is he can start and win in the NFL on a really good team, surrounded by good personnel with a really good coach in the regular season. He hasn't shown he can win in the playoffs. He hasn't shown that he can win in an organization that has some level of dysfunction. He's with one of the more solid organizations. I mean, you could say, uh, his winning percentage is better than Derek Carr's. Well, Jason Hill wouldn't have this winning percentage if he was putting up with all the stuff Derek Carr had to put up with with the Raiders. I mean, it's been a mess. You know, Carr's had to step into a way bigger role than a player should have to step into as a leader on the team, speaking of incidents on and off the field. I and mean, that's a mess. In the NFL, of the 32 jobs, I mean, I think you can argue there's really only 15 or 20 starting quarterbacks, and then from quarterback 20 to 40, it's musical chairs, merry-go-round. Prove you can do it. Yeah, you're the guy now, but that doesn't mean you're the guy in six weeks. I mean, are you really the guy? Teddy Bridgewater went five and zero in New Orleans. Good organization, good coach, good talent around him. Couldn't replicate it in Carolina. Hasn't replicated it in Denver. He's caught up in that 20 to 40 range.
4: That's an excellent point right there.
0: So for Taysom Hill, huge stakes here, and then can we win a playoff game? Because that gets you into the top 15 or 20 where you're locked in. You know, the guys like Carr and Cousins, they're right on that border. They're in the 20, but they're between, you know, 12 and 20. Nobody counts on those guys to win playoff games. So, And that's what the Saints want. They want a guy, and I don't think they've got their guy. They think Winston's their guy. And they know they can win games with Taysom, so they're paying him pretty well. But if Taysom well, wants to be the guy, get paid great, and start 16 games and start playoff games, there are steps to be taken. You can't have that Cowboys thing happen.
4: Right. And plus, uh, Taysom, you can use him in other ways if Winston's your guy and right. he can help you win football games, and that's which part is of why, why they're they paying kept him. him. Yeah. Put him yeah. in the
0: slot as a receiver. We've seen him on special teams. I think that's been dialed back now that he's quarterbacking so much, but...
4: Right, but he can still help you out in many yeah. different positions offensively, and you don't, need, you don't really need him on special teams anymore, uh, I wouldn't think. And I'm conflicted with the Raiders and the Chargers because we broadcast the Raiders, and I've invested a lot of time into watching them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I love watching Herbert play.
0: Joe, so either way you win. You sit down Sunday night, they play yeah, for a spot see, in the playoffs.
4: Yeah, but see, I'm from Jersey, and then I look at it either way, I lose.
0: Yeah, you'll do that too. Look at it this way. It ought to be an entertaining game. Those two teams, neither one of them is great. They're both good. Neither one of them is great. They both make a lot of mistakes. Even if that game starts to get out of hand, I don't know who will take the lead by 10 or 14. Either team can come back. Either team can blow it. It can make for really entertaining football. I mean, it's like a uh, it, it it's could. a pro pro level. It's kind of Rose bullish, right? We don't think either one of these teams is going to the Super Bowl. Is this isn't Alabama and Georgia? And when Alabama and Georgia played, it wasn't a good game. And I don't know if the second game will be a good game. And their semifinals weren't good games, but they're the best teams. These are not the best teams, but if they put on a show like the Utes and Buckeyes put on, Utes and the Buckeyes aren't the top two teams in the country. But man, that was three and a half entertaining hours of football. I'll take it. That's what the Chargers and Raiders will give us. They're pretty good, well. and it'll be entertaining. None of us expect either one of them to go to the Super Bowl. You give me a healthy Ute team, and I think they take down Alabama. The Ute headline, Tavion Thomas, stop it, is coming back (laughs) for one more year. And originally I thought this is huge for the Utes, and then I downgraded. It's not an 8 or 9 out of 10, it's like a 7, because if he had left, the Utes would have gone and gotten another good running back out of the transfer portal.
4: Except the reason why I disagree with you to an extent. and I Well, this is why it's still a 7.
0: I know where you're going. Go ahead.
4: You don't know. We didn't know who Thomas was mm-hmm. until game four or five. They got Florida right off the bat. Yep. And now they got should, a guy
0: who game yeah. one, you yeah. already know he fits. He knows the system. He's performed at a high level in the system. So you've got that.
4: Right. Right from right from the start, start. man. Right. And, and most likely you've got a healthy Cam rising. So that issue's been solved. Keithy's uh, you've back. Got that's where I was going next. Yeah. You got two tight ends and and maybe maybe they do have three tight ends off the same roster. You know, I wish them all luck to make the tie, the team uh, that the league because obviously Follingham's taken off. But you got these other two guys right there. So yeah, have got a lot of weapons in that first game. And this is the first time in a long time, maybe since Michigan with Harbaugh's first game that they haven't played a cream puff. Right, although they did play BYU the one year.
10: Yeah.
0: But it is, a, it is a good opener. I mean, it's, it's absolutely... it's a great opener. On I, the road? I hope SEC, that they... it's phenomenal opener. I, I hope that uh, we've seen enough teams traveling. I hope they end up in that second or third TV window. There's got to be some kind of deal cut between the Pac-12 and the SEC. You don't stick us with a 10 a.m. game when we come back there. And we won't stick you in an A 30 game when you come out here. <laughs> There's well, got to be some kind of deal cut. Because I don't think either team is going to perform that well. You get college kids out of their comfort zone playing at these weird kick times, there have been a lot of bad games. Sure,
4: but it's so early in the season, they can go on a Wednesday oh, yeah, if they yeah, need yeah. it to. They can, yeah. Uh, so I think that's a great game. It's a, It's got my interest right off the bat. I mean, I would love to see it. And I think this is what we're going to see more of with Kleovkov yes, as they go forward. And to to have this, especially as we get the automatic bids, which I believe are going to happen at some point. So uh, I think the Pac-12, they've got to get it done. But I think they're going to take – the thing that Kulovkov is going to do, and we'll have him on next week, I think next Friday, is that he's going to set up everything he can do to put his teams in the best spots to succeed nationally. Now, it's up to them to do it. He can't do it. He can't. Re- he, he said he doesn't get involved in recruiting. He said that in Vegas before the game that they played against Oregon in the final. But at the same time, he can do and encourage and put the teams in a better spot. And I think that's what he's going to do up to the guys to get it done. But they're going to take care of the stuff that they can take care of. And that's something that they haven't been doing.
0: They're going to go from non-conference games date at some point on his watch. He's made that clear. There are other things that have to happen. You have to be able to get the non-conference games with the Big Ten. The ACC is probably a little further down the line. Maybe the Big Ten can happen sooner. But he clearly wants that. Eight conference games, a Big Ten game, an ACC game. And I think the conference is so far down now. They've done it to themselves. It's not just the time zone. They've lost too many games they should have won. They've swung and missed on too many opportunities to win big games. The only way they're going to get it back, they're never going to get it back playing each other because it goes back to that Raider-Charger thing you just said. Well, one of your teams is going to win. Yeah, but one of your teams is going to lose. The glass will always be half empty in conference games. It's not going to be that impressive. They've got to win non-conference games. The Utes win over Oregon, both of them, were really impressive partly because of the score. It was so dominant and partly because Oregon had won Ohio State and had credibility. And the only way the league is gonna get it back now, they're not gonna get it back playing games inside the conference. They're gonna get it back playing non conference opponents. So he's gonna force feed that as much as he can, but it's not all in his control.
4: Yeah, I think Kilovkov when it's said and done, his greatest work is gonna be maneuvering to get Urban to Tempe.
0: <laughs> I am you know, we like stories and I am you totally, laugh. I am totally you laugh. I am totally in favor of that happening. Now, there may be all kinds of collateral damage. No, not maybe. There will be all sorts of collateral damage in Tempe and the greater Phoenix area if that happens.
4: Well, everything is worth paying for if you win. (laughs) That's already been proven, hasn't it?
0: (laughs) That is. <laughs> so ethically shaky.
4: Come on. Yeah. You, yet, you want ethics in yet, college sports? No, no. Rick Pitino's on line one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. He, Rick Pitino got another job. <laughs> Urban got another job. So if you're ruling out Urban getting another job, uh, you better think again. You don't have to
4: approve of it, but don't rule it out. Ethics. Because it turns out well, you don't I'm, have to approve of it. You're, plus, we're talking about Tempe anyway. Ethics? <laughs> I think that's some 100 level class they teach off campus.
0: <laughs> all right, DJ and PK, your feedback, more funny answers. <laughs> the Jazz. So we had <laughs> we had a guy say, "You guys are building up tonight's game like it's a 1980 U.S. USSR hockey miracle on ice." Who's Bare gonna play? That. Who's gonna play Quinn in the movie? We're getting great responses. We will get to that next. Stay with us.
4: And it's all over. Almost here. Don't go nowhere. <laughs>
0: of the Day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Now you've done it, PK. Unfiltered Rhino tweets at us. Well, Tempe has lab dancers and Urban likes lab dances.
4: I wouldn't have any idea about that.
0: John, I don't draw a paycheck. Single greatest statement from an owner ever. He's all in on the community perspective. Ryan understands how important this is to all of us. Okay. I think the last sentence is the one that really rings true. Ryan does understand how important this is to all of us. The <laughs> Jazz are so important here. There are, there are teams that are important in their cities. This one's really important. have lived li- it. Yeah, yeah, he's lived it. Exactly. Uh, now we ask for people to caption, or excuse me, to uh, cast the movie. Who will play Quinn Snyder? They're, they're casting everybody, P.K., they're not stopping with Quinn. Uh, Greg says the dude from Franklin and, and Bash will play David Locke. Do you believe in miracles? Nice. Uh, Brecken Meyer, have you've seen Brecken Meyer. That's, uh, that's a good call right there. Uh, court says the correct answer for Quinn Snyder is Tom Holland. Okay. I'll retweet that one out there. You can uh, take a look at that and the Locke one is classic too. We'll retweet that. Uh, let's see, uh, oh, for every Bill Mitchell, there's a, D- a Dave Kovac, <laughs> the body doubles. That's Dave from, uh, the movie where, um, uh, the president and the body double becomes the president. Remember that movie from the nineties? Yes. Yeah. There's frightening lack of security in that when you view it. <laughs> Everything changed. Everything changed in the next decade. Uh, Matthew McConaughey to play Quinn. There you go. A lot of people saying that. A friend of mine texted me that. William Defoe for Quinn Snyder. He's got the look. He's got the hair. I can see that. Michael Jolly says Charlie Sheen can play Quinn. And then he's got Charlie staring into the camera with the, the hair tussled and the one eyebrow raised. Charlie, sure, yeah. Uh, we've got people sending a lot of side-by-side. And there's one, uh, what is this guy's name? I can see him. This does not help you. Locke, can you look? Can you look at my feed? Who is the actor? There's a, there's a guy who put in, uh, check him. This guy, it's, it's a good call, and I can't remember. the. Name. He's a classic. You've seen this guy in like 10 movies. But he hasn't done the celebrity thing, and his name hasn't stuck. And I know I should know it. The Bogdano Grouch, at GrouchPotato20, uh, tweeted at us. He tweeted a bunch of side-by-side photos. And the guy in the top right, if you figure out who that guy is, Yock, let us know. All right, there's some of the nominees. All right, you got anything else before we head into the weekend here and turn things over to Jake and Ben? Anything else you want to pass along to the people?
4: Got to put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone. What? <laughs> Huh? Uh, It's a Sesame Street skit. (laughs) Okay. It's always stuck with me all these years. You got to put down the ducky. Put down that ducky. It's a little catchy tune.
0: (laughs) Okay, sing it. (laughs) Sesame Street. I did not expect Sesame Street at the end of today's show.
4: (laughs) Why not? It's all silly stuff we're talking about anyway. Yeah, here's more silliness. Matt says,
0: Michael J. Fox. He's got the experience as a player in Teen Wolf. They look a lot like each other.
2: All right, we got one coming in from our good friend, Mike Smith. He just texted me this. Tell the boys Jude Law to play Quinn
0: Snyder. Oh, okay. Jude would be a good one. Yeah, Jude, that would work. Uh, Classless Skip Extreme Masker says, Gavin Rossdale from Bush. I don't know, Gavin, but I see the photo here. Yeah, that could work. That's
4: not bad. Uh, wasn't he married to uh, what's her face, uh, the No Doubt gal? Oh, was he? Yeah, what's her? She's married to Blake Shelton now. What's her name?
2: I had a tip of my tongue, and I was just Gwen Stefani. Gwen
4: Stefani. Gwen Stefani. They were married. Yeah. They were married for fourteen years. Yeah, they've got uh, kids together. Would we get Will we get Brad Garrett to play Mike Smith? Because Brad Garrett's way tall.
0: Good call. That would work. That would work. <laughs> and then finally, you Chester Trailer says, Actually, DJ, the glass is never half empty. If you count whatever liquid is in the glass and the air that's in the glass, the glass is always full, even when it's empty.
4: Nerd alert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Jake and Ben are coming up next. Have a good weekend. We'll see you on Monday.